everyone, and welcome to Let's Obsess, the official podcast of LiveTheMovies.com. Today's episode is about the film director David Fincher, and I'm going to be joined by a few of my close friends who are also big fans of him, and we're going to talk about his movies, and we're going to rank them from our least favorite to our most favorite. Um, So stay tuned, and thanks for listening. Entertainment has to come hand in hand with a little bit of medicine. Some people go to the movies to be reminded that everything's okay. I don't make those kinds of movies. That, to me, is a lie. Everything's not okay. You have a responsibility for the way you make the audience feel, and I want them to feel uncomfortable. David Fincher, 2007. Born in Denver, Colorado in 1962, my favorite director, David Fincher, has been working in the film industry since he was 18 years old. He lived in Northern California for a while, actually down the street from George Lucas, and graduated from Ashland High School in Oregon. He has said that he was inspired to become a filmmaker by Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. His first real film job was at Cordy Films, and then he was hired at Industrial Light and Magic. He worked in the business instead of going to film school, even working a bit on Return of the Jedi. In 1986, he co-founded Propaganda Films, a production company that made music videos and films, which was later acquired by Polygram Filmed Entertainment. Propaganda Films produced movies like Sleepers, The Game, Being John Malkovich, and Adaptation, as well as TV series like Twin Peaks and one of my personal favorites, Salute Your Shorts. Guys, I'm kind of dying that David Fincher may have had anything to do with Camp Anawana. It's like an ultimate collision of things I love, so that's kind of funny. Before making his full foray into film, Fincher was a prolific director of commercials and music videos, working with Madonna, Michael Jackson, Paula Abdul, George Michael, and Sting. More recently, he directed the video for Justin Timberlake and Jay-Z's Suit and Tie. He also directed a video for Nine Inch Nails, whose frontman Trent Reznor has gone on to score several Fincher films. Fincher's feature film directorial debut was 1992's Alien 3, not beloved by critics or even Fincher himself. In a 2009 interview with The Guardian, he said, I had to work on it for two years, got fired off it three times, and I had to fight for every single thing. No one hated it more than me. To this day, no one hates it more than me. I'll be honest, it's not the greatest thing I've ever seen, but it's also far from the worst. Still, it's hard to preemptively live up to the full caliber Fincherness that we see in his future films. Fincher's follow-up, 1995-7, is, in almost everyone's opinion, fantastic. It has everything you'd want from a Fincher classic. A dark grittiness, a surprise ending, not to mention it was the first collaboration between Fincher and Brad Pitt. The sensational serial killer film brought in $100 million at the box office and gave Fincher some freedom to explore his talents. 1997 brought The Game, starring Michael Douglas, and then Fincher reunited with Pitt for 1999's Fight Club, based on the book by Chuck Palahniuk. Fight Club didn't crush the box office like Seven, but became a cult classic and has garnered more esteem over time. Panic Room, Fincher's 2002 thriller starring Jodie Foster, Kristen Stewart, and Jared Leto, was a big hit and earned nearly $100 million at the box office. Following the completion of Panic Room, Fincher took a hiatus of several years, not releasing another film until 2007's Zodiac, adapted from Robert Graysmith's book of the same name. Fincher collaborated for a third time with Brad Pitt on The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, released in December of 2008. A critical success, Curious Case earned 13 Oscar nominations, including the first directing nod for Fincher and acting nods for Pitt and Taraji P. Henson. The film's only wins, though, came for its impressive makeup, visual effects, and art direction achievements. In 2010, Fincher brought the story of Facebook's founding to the big screen with The Social Network, written by Aaron Sorkin and starring Jesse Eisenberg and Andrew Garfield. Fincher earned his second Oscar nomination for directing, which he lost to Tom Hooper for The King's Speech, which also bested the social network for Best Picture in a crowded category. 
Fincher did, however, snag a Golden Globe for directing, and The Social Network won the Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture Drama. Actress Rooney Mara had a small role as a Plain Jane college student in The Social Network. If you remember, uh, Jesse Eisenberg's character, Mark Zuckerberg, breaks up with her at the beginning of the film, or she breaks up with him. They have that awkward conversation. Um, However, when Fincher signed on to direct the film adaptation of best-selling book The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Mara convinced him she was right for the role. She was right. Her performance in the 2011 film was amazing, and she was nominated for an Oscar. Unfortunately, though, the film didn't live up to box office expectations, and its anticipated sequels were shelved. Here's my question. Why the hell did they release this film near Christmas? Get it together. This is not a feel-good holiday film or cloying award bait. Gosh, okay. In 2014, Fincher's next book adaptation was released, this time of Gillian Flynn's hugely popular novel Gone Girl. Starring Ben Affleck and Rosamund Pike, Gone Girl was a box office smash and earned Pike an Oscar nomination for her portrayal of Amy Dunn. Fincher scored a Golden Globe nomination for directing. Gone Girl also marks the first time Fincher has served as director and executive producer for a film. It's also his highest grossing film worldwide, bringing in over $365 million on a budget of just over $60 million. Over the past couple of years, Fincher has turned his attention to the small screen, most famously executive producing the Netflix original series House of Cards, starring his seven villain Kevin Spacey. Fincher won an Emmy Award for directing the series' first episode. He's currently in development on a second Netflix series called Mindhunter, with Charlize Theron reportedly attached in some capacity. Uh, Apparently, she actually optioned the book, uh, which is about the FBI's serial crimes unit, Um, so I actually just read this book because it sounded interesting and it's, you know, Fincher is going to be a TV show and it was pretty cool. It's kind of like a behind the scenes of the real unit that Criminal Minds, you know, behavioral analysis unit is based on. And a fun fact, if you're a fan of the show Survivor, there are a few pages about current contestant Joe Del Campo, who is on the Brains Tribe and used to, um, be an FBI agent. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, Before we get to the roundtable, I'd like to include a couple of remarks about Fincher's work from those who have written about him. Neil Jackson and Ian Hayden Smith discuss him in the book Contemporary North American Film Directors. They say, Notable for their focus on dystopian despair, social decay, and moral breakdown, his films are equally distinctive through their thoroughly postmodern cynicism. This is complemented by a recurring commitment to striking formal and stylistic design, which frame the film's thematic resonances in an often stunning visual schemata. Max O'Connell of IndieWire writes that Fincher has become not only one of the most visually accomplished filmmakers in the world, but also Hollywood's most skillful director of thrillers and procedurals. His own obsessiveness as a filmmaker, he's known for requiring dozens of takes before he's satisfied, bleeds over into his films, most of which are methodical, pitch-black looks at how compulsion and misanthropy lead to isolation, alienation, or even oblivion. In the International Directory of Films and Filmmakers, Philip Kemp echoes the previous sentiments. David Fincher is a devotee of darkness. Scene after scene in his films takes place in cramped, sparsely lit rooms where malignancy seems to hang in the air like ineradicable damp. For the shadows that pervade his films are moral and psychological no less than physical. Using darkness as a metaphor for evil and danger is hardly original. It is the entire basis of film noir for a start. But Fincher brings the banal equation a degree of emotional intensity that reinvigorates it. The darkness in his films is organic, the element in which his characters swim. I've gathered the biggest Fincher fans in my brain trust to have a roundtable discussion about Fincher's stellar filmography. Coming up, we'll rank all of his films from least to most favorite and discuss our favorite Fincher signatures and styles. 
I asked Alex, Andy, and Nick to rank all of David Fincher's films from their least favorite to most favorite, and I did the same thing. Then I made a spreadsheet, added up some points, and came up with our overall ranking of Fincher films. We'll count them down now from number 10 to number 1, talking about each one as we go. But first, I will let each of them introduce themselves. Nick? My name is Clifton Nicholas Lloyd, and I enjoy <laughs> consensual sodomy and genocide. Oh my god. Hi, I'm Andy. I don't. <laughs> and that's me. Uh, and I'm Alex, and everything I say is right. Alright, so you already have an idea of how this might go. Um, so we're just going to get started. Our number 10 Fincher film. No surprise here. Alien 3. From 1992, starring Sigourney Weaver. Uh, was there any doubt that Alien 3 would come in dead last? I mean, it's not the worst movie of all time, but it doesn't compare to any of Fincher's other films. He wouldn't disagree either. I already mentioned how he said no one hates it more than him. He also told The Guardian of working on the film that at the time, he'd always had this naive idea that everybody wants to make movies as good as they can be, which is stupid. He fought for his movie as he didn't want to release a shitty product, but he didn't really get it through to everyone, and they thought they perceived him as a belligerent asshole. So, what are our thoughts on Alien 3? I have never seen it. <laughs> I'm with him. Uh, so it was just like automatic dead last because it was, you just automatic knew? Automatic dead last. Just knew. I mean, even even the Kristen Stewart movie ranked higher somehow. Oh, Pentagram. Yes. Okay. I thought you said Pentagram. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sure. That's our home movie. <laughs> Uh, I think if you watch it, there are certainly Fincherian move, uh, moments in it, but it is because it's not his movie. It is just a shit show. Um, but uh, the lighting, the camera work, and I think there are certain scenes that will come out later in his other movies where he always has a trick shot in his films, and that is the beginning of that. So it is a, very much a beginning of his movies, but it, it's not his, so... I feel like it's kind of like the thinking man's alien, which nobody wants from an <laughs> yeah, alien <that's> movie. <laughs> like, that's not what people are about when they go see Alien 3. I've never seen any of the alien movies. Really? Really? Yes. First one's amazing. Isn't it James Cameron? No, the first one's Ridley Scott. Oh. Alien mm. and then Aliens <laughs> with the S. And, you yeah, know, I, I don't care for either of those directors. I rated Alien number nine because I haven't seen Alien or the game. Um, but Joss Whedon also worked on the Alien series, so I feel like it would be better just having not seen it. Okay, fair enough. I mean, two great people. And then the guy who gave us Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, I can see your face even though no one listening can see your face. Rose! <laughs> That does not happen in Titanic. <laughs> you are I've out never of your seen mind. It. Like, what scene is that? that is not You've never seen Titanic? Titanic? No, why would I watch it? I know how it ends. It's not about that. Okay. It's about the journey. It's about bumping uglies in the it's car. A, yeah, it's about that handprint on the steamy window. Uh, no, I was always going. like a second tape guy. Like, it's I would about, always uh, only put in the second tape. No, see, I would like watch the first tape and then be like, I don't need the second tape. And then I picked up where you left off. She was good in extras and that's it. That was really good. Sorry. Oh, today in unpopular opinions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So at the end of the day, Fincher has a motto to support even his films that he doesn't love. As he shared with Esquire, do your best work, he says. Work as hard as you can on any given day and try to live it down. Although to me, I don't think he has a lot to live down. No. Like that's that movie. Not great. But none of his other movies are stinkers. So. No, but I don't think anyone blames him for it either. It's not like anyone no. looks at that as a horrible. Right. Effort. It's like, oh, Fincher didn't get to finish that movie, so... And also, like, did you have the highest hopes for Alien 3? 
Like, were you going into it being like, yes, it's going to be amazing? <laughs> and actually, there, there are a couple of writers that worked on it, including one from New Zealand that had, he wanted to make it a planet, like a moon in outer space made of wood where monks lived. And then this ship would crash on there. And it had a really interesting beginning and could have been really a neat project. But it just, like all of those franchise films, got sort of recycled into Transformers. A wooden moon. Ugh. Yeah, that was... This, the guy who like wrote made it. of trees or like like no like these monks these like hardwood like hardwood they had like a, a maple floor the guy who wrote it the was a, a New Zealand director who wrote and directed a movie called This Quiet Earth it's an amazing movie and he was first hired for it and he's like I want to make this movie about monks on a wooden moon and at first people are like that sounds interesting and then it quickly became no fucking way <laughs> <laughs> damn it could have had the monks on the wooden moon could have been Fincher monk damn it right Fincher's Mentors. All right, number nine, The Game, from 1997, starring Michael Douglas and Sean Penn. Uh, the Game doesn't get a lot of attention compared to Fincher's other masterpieces, but it's actually a pretty cool little movie. It's a thriller in which Michael Douglas's character gets pulled into this game that at first seems weird and creepy, but ultimately becomes a life-or-death operation, question mark? <laughs> no spoilers? We're going to spoil everything. It doesn't matter. So you rated the game last. Alex rated the game last because you haven't seen it, right? I haven't it, right? seen it. Okay. I haven't seen it. So, Andy, have you seen it? I have not seen it. Okay, so you guys I was going to watch it blind the other day, but it wasn't free on any streaming service. Okay. So I was like... Eh. I have the Criterion Collection if you want to borrow it. I think it has like a really bland cover, which is why I never watched it. The Criterion one? Have a yeah, you really have to catch Alex's eye. Yeah. I feel like. It's got to be flashy. Yeah. That's true. Like, I mean, the Vogue video is better than all of these. David Fincher directed the Vogue video? Yeah, David oh, really? Fincher directed the I'd like to change video. my number one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I don't know, I like the game. Obviously, I ranked it number eight, so I didn't like it as much as everything else, but that doesn't mean it's a bad movie, it just means all of Fincher's other movies are really good. Right, like Fincher's worst movie it's is still better than, better than most. most people's. Yeah. Right. right, that's how I feel. Uh, I ranked it nine, which I now wish I ranked it a little higher. It is better than I remember, but it is not... It just lacks an X factor to make it stick out. It's just like a good movie. It was a good, solid effort, but it's nothing special. But there are, again, a couple of very Fincher moments of sort of dark shots. And sort of these... The, Fincher in all of his movies has one sequence that sort of stands out because it's a different style all of a sudden. And in the game, it's looking through like a fisheye lens of the clown. The clown is yeah. creepy. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's a very fitch move. It's not bad. It's I'll a... end it to you when you leave. Is it like Death to Smoochie? <laughs> it's like... Nick is so well studied. Like, he sounds so official. I love it. I've never been invited to anything before, so I wanted to make a good <laughs> <laughs> He has all of his notes written on his hand. I and do. It's... Well, like, it's halfway through the little... recording, we'll just look over there and he'll be gone. So. <laughs> Irish goodbye. The Irish goodbye. <laughs> is the game as, like, dark in tone as the rest of his movies? Because yes. his standouts yeah. and, like, his whole late career is, well, like... It's like Dark. he first he gets for a birthday present from his brother Sean Penn, who originally apparently Jodie Foster was originally supposed to play the sibling that gets really? in this. So Jodie Foster and David Fincher have like a weird history, but uh, mm-hmm. so he gets this gift, quote unquote gift for his birthday that he has to go and take all of these tests, and then he gets invited into this game. 
I feel like they kind of use reverse psychology to like actually get him to want to participate in yeah, it. Yeah, Because at first he's like, what the hell is this? They're like, oh, the game's totally stupid, you know. Right. It is. They're like, yeah, it's just a fun thing. Who cares yeah. who does it? Then he's like, oh, I'm almost dead. But there's all kinds of crazy shit. Like the clown that shows up is creepy. And then he ends up like the in white a Mexican. Like, in graveyard. Yeah, graveyard. Yeah. And then he like, yeah. Basically it's, it starts as like, it's just a weird thing. But eventually he's like, I'm going to fucking die. It's worth watching, but it is not his. It's just it just lacks something to make. It's like a popcorn movie, yeah. but it's yeah. not like an enduring right. classic kind of right. thing. Mm-hmm. But I would have ranked it higher now than Panic Room. Looking back. All right. Well, that brings us to Panic. our number eight, Panic Room, mm-hmm. from two thousand two, starring Jodie Foster, Kristen Stewart, Forrest Whitaker, and Jared Leto. Uh, Fincher acknowledges that each of his films may differ in purpose, audience, quality, and effect. He told The Guardian, a movie is made for an audience, and a film is made for both the audience and filmmakers. I think that The Game is a movie, and I think Fight Club's a film. I think that Fight Club is more than the sum of its parts, whereas Panic Room is the sum of its parts. I didn't look at Panic Room and think, wow, this is going to set the world on fire. There, These are footnote movies, guilty pleasure movies, thrillers, woman trapped in house movies. They're not particularly important. He also had to make some quick adjustments before filming. Having signed on to play Meg Altman, Nicole Kidman withdrew at the 11th hour with a knee injury. Thank goodness. (laughs) Her replacement by Jodie Foster inevitably changed the story's tone and tempo. And Nicole Kidman makes you make a different movie, he told The Guardian. It's like Hitchcock casting Grace Kelly. It's about glamour and physicality. With Jodie Foster, it's more about what happens in her eyes. It's more political. Jodie is someone who has spent 35 years making choices that define her as a woman and define women in film. Jodie Foster is nobody's fucking pet, nobody's trophy wife. That's beautiful. <laughs> that is poetry. So again, though, him and Jodie Foster, like, she was supposed to be in the game, and then she dropped out, and then she wasn't supposed to be in Panic Room, and Nicole Kidman dropped out, and then she was in Panic Room. I can't really picture it with Nicole Kidman. No. She seems, like, too wispy. Yeah. Like, Nicole Kidman should never work with a good director. <laughs> no. She's just gonna make it bad. She's just a porcelain doll like can move. Uh, she was great in To Die For, though. She was great um, in Stepford Wise because she was just playing her, which is just, like, no personality. She was great in BMX Bandits. She was amazing in the hours. I'm never going to get over seeing Zac Efron pee on her face in The Paperboy. Yeah, or vice I versa. I don't remember. Wall. She peed on Zac She peed Efron. on his face. It's oh, the really? worst thing I've ever seen. I can't ever no, forget it. The worst? Movie. Did you see that other scene in there with Matthew McConaughey? Okay, it's on one of tarp. the top five worst scenes in that movie, which is like scarred my brain forever. Yeah, What's this movie called? The, the Paperboy. Paper and John Cusack? Gross. Oh, like I love him, but ew. Armpit fetish. <laughs> Shut up. Oh my gosh. Okay, but Panic Room, I actually, when I rewatched these movies to rank them, I liked Panic Room more than I remembered liking it. Like, I was like, like, Panic Room, Even though I remember seeing it and being like, yeah, Jared Leto. I thought it was really tense. Like, well, it had moments of, like, amazing tension. And Jodie Foster, she's always solid. Like, incredible. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, Silence of the Lambs is, like, seriously... I mean... Probably my favorite movie. But, like... She always, yeah, is solid. I don't think, like, I've ever seen her in something and been like, meh. Did you uh, see, see a very Beaver? long engagement? No, I didn't see the Beaver. Oh, that's right, yeah. Andy doesn't like Beaver. <laughs> Jodie Foster. <laughs> Loves it. <laughs> <laughs> and Mel Gibson? Right. Question mark? How? Why? I don't They're get buddies it. since Maverick. I know, but, like, come on. Well, she's anti-Semitic, too. <laughs> I feel like Cite your source. Panic Room is probably the first David Fincher movie I watched and like thoroughly enjoyed. Not that I watched and thoroughly enjoyed. It's just like the first one I saw. Also the first Kristen Stewart movie I probably ever saw. 
and the first Jodie Foster movie I ever saw. So, like, nostalgia-wise, like, this is a good film for me. It's maybe where I started developing some taste. (laughs) More so than Jared Leto's cornrows, which were in poor taste. (laughs) Yeah. But still, he's, like, one of the most beautiful people I've ever seen in person, like... Oh. His eyes like a, a bush baby. His face is just like he Should doesn't age. Whitaker, no. <laughs> oh, I do love Forrest Whitaker. He's so cute. No, he is. It's like a baby in the bush. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, Terry Gilliam talked about the Fisher King as being a movie he made for the studio to show he could come in on time and on budget. And I think Panic Room was that was Fincher going. I don't have to make a billion dollar movie that takes a year to do. I can make a studio film. And it's a good studio film. It's yeah. not bad. But it, again, it's not something that I run to. Like, oh, I can't wait to see right. Panic Room. Well, it's like he says. It's a movie. Right. Not a film. So he knows it's like a popcorn movie. He knows that it's a thriller. Yeah. But I think it made about $100 million. So it was a success. Yeah, it's not. But it's just not like, you know, again, it's not up there with It made me want a Panic his greatest. Room. I still do. Um, yeah, because like Yoakum. I know. <laughs> for Christmas, I got a security device for the sliding glass door because, like, I just know I'm going to get murdered. But Panagram, amazing. Yeah. But, like, not if you have diabetes and you can't have your insulin. Not if, well, you'd think that they would stock it first. I think it was their first day there. They just they moved in, yeah. yeah. Right. And I don't think they were planning on using that room. But yeah. that was, like, part of the tension is that they weren't prepared to use it, but all of a sudden they were in there. And then, yeah. but. I feel like if this was David Fincher's way of like proving that he can come in on budget, then it was some real trickery. Because has he ever since? Uh, AKA, do, I don't even we give don't... him a budget anymore. They're like just make gold go. Well, it's the well, reason we don't have two other Dragon, Dragon Tattoo Dragon movies. Tattoos. Yeah, uh, I think he like you know what Bitter I think is forever. Like, yeah, it's a strange phenomenon that doesn't get talked a lot about. But I think in Hollywood, you can make karma. Where, like, the Wachowskis, because of The Matrix, they still get funding to make enormous movies, even though they're not box office hits. always fucking suck. I like Cloud Atlas. Um, I think you're alone there. I I know. Trust me, I'm always alone. (laughs) I heard Eddie Redmayne is amazing in that. Yeah, he was. was, The whole movie, I thought was great. um, Eddie Redmayne is amazing in life. And is, what's his face in that? Who? Tom Hanks. No. Hugh Grant? Isn't it? Tom Hanks and Halle Berry. Yeah, Hugh Grant. I can't think of the name right now. Let me just watch. London Spy. What's his name? Yeah. It's Ben Wisha. Yeah, Ben Wisha. He's in there, yeah? Who? I don't know who Ben Wisha is. You should. Adorable little anyway. pint-sized. Oh, boy. Anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Panic Room, okay, like, it's a thriller. There's not that much action in it, though. Like, it's more about being tense, yeah. but I think that's all of his movies. I, I also think it is a ramp-up for him for digital film use, like the like digital effects, because he had to have those for Zodiac and for Benjamin uh-huh. Button. And Panic Room was the first one where that was necessary. What did he use those. for digital effects? Like in going the through the key, like oh yeah, going through yeah. the keys and all those things. There are I think it was the first movie where he used a lot of digital effects. Yeah. And it was I assume, I don't know obviously for a fact, but it's Wait, when was Fight Club made? That had some pretty That had some, effects. but it wasn't necessary to for the whole story. Yeah. Whereas the way he told Panic Room, you had he like he wanted certain shots yeah. for it, and there's no way to do it in real life. Yeah. So, and I think again that was maybe him learning for those things, and then he could use it's that. Like for an his etude. So what? An etude. What's an etude? It's not the French word for study. I hate the French. Oh, you're so fancy. Like an etude for a musician is. Anyway. Yeah, but well, that's kind of I mean that he's kind of. <laughs> 
learning and practicing on his quote-unquote movies and then mastering for the films. Is this, like, and I can't really remember them, but I feel like they're good. Is this the first time that he's, like, having really killer opening credits? Because, like, those are a standout in all subsequent films. Yeah, list. opening well, opening his opening credits I think are definitely indicative of the the music video directing. Like yeah. his opening credits are cool music videos. I would say Seven was probably the first because that was that was the second. Yeah, movie Seven was like ninety five. Yeah, the opening credits for that are the yeah. most amazing. Yeah. So I would say he knew right from the get go how he was going to do things. It um, really sets the tone for the movie. Yeah, it absolutely does. Mm-hmm. The weird Nine Inch Nails song that's a one off for the movie. You can't get anywhere else. Really? Uh, yeah. It huh. garbage. Uh, the band, their video, Stupid Girl, was based on the credits for Seven. Get out. Yeah. Um, Hashtag fun fact. Good time, McLean. At my oh, no college, which has like a pretty killer film program, one of the projects for people was recutting the the opening credits really? to Seven. Yeah. Huh. It was really cool. Yeah. Like, I don't know how they had like the stuff to manipulate, but like re-editing it to match. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Wow. They're pretty intricate. Awesome. I wish I had skills to do things like that. I wish I had any skills. I wish I had friends. Wish you could age backwards. That brings us to... (laughs) 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 Hashtag segue. Uh, Number seven, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button from 2008, starring Brad Pitt, Kate Blanchett, Taraji P. Henson. Benjamin Button was... I think really uh, Fincher's biggest like Oscar bait movie, like he was going for the gold with this one. Um, you know, you have Brad Pitt aging backwards, like throw a statue his way. Uh, he did have to sit through five hours of makeup each day to get into character. Like, do you ever look at Brad Pitt and be like, oh, you need five hours of makeup? No. That's what you said. Well, for. when you look at Brad He's Pitt perfect. like 50 years older or 50 <laughs> you're years like, younger, Damn. you're like, yeah, you might need some makeup. <laughs> um, so Brad was nominated. Uh, for an Oscar, <clears throat> along with Fincher for directing and Taraji P. Henson for supporting actress, but the film's only wins were in makeup, art direction, and visual effects. That makes sense. I loved it. I watched it again. I have it at number four, and I thought it was fantastic. And I mm-hmm. thought it it was Fincher using every trick he knew. Also, I think one of the things that doesn't get talked about is his style is very claustrophobic. It is closed rooms, it's tight shots, and it's in sort of it's to, meant to make you feel sort of ill at ease. Whereas Curious Case of Benjamin Button and even then later Zodiac, it are very wide expanses for him. Mm. It's a totally different style. And I loved it. I thought he hit it out of the park. It was an amazing movie. I thought. I thought it was beautifully shot. And like the pacing, like it's a long movie. Yeah. yeah. But the pacing is very, like, very well done. And I mean, it's Pride Pit. I cried and, a lot at this movie. I mean, yeah, I, oh, yeah. I cry at everything. But. I cried a lot, but I rank this movie my number nine, which yeah, I feel I don't love it weird about. But... And here's the thing is when I watch it, intellectually, I know this is a good movie. This is well done, but I don't want to watch it again. Whereas like some of his other movies like Dragon Tattoo or Social Network Zodiac, I could watch those five times a day. I wouldn't be sick of them. I'd still love it. And I don't know, because maybe because this one took an emotional toll, like because I cried so much that I was just like, I can't do that again. It's mm-hmm. like exhausting. But, I don't know, for some reason it just, like, doesn't get me the way that his other movies do. But intellectually, I know this is a good film. I feel the same way. Like, it, it's good. Critic, like, whatever the word is, like... Acclaimed? Detail, details-wise, it's, like, great. Like, from a technical standpoint, it's incredible. It just does not do anything for me. <laughs> at all. It made me feel And I a think, lot. like, <laughs> if it was... 
if that was supposed to be like his Oscar bait movie, it was only because it was lighter and like they have a hard time handing out Academy Awards for like two rape scenes. Like, <laughs> like that one deserves the award. Um, but yeah, it's also just like a real departure for him. Yeah, but I feel like he doesn't need to depart when he's really good at what he does. And That I agree with. Uh, I would also say that it is in its own strange way his most epic film. It is... Because yeah. not only just the time span it does in the movie, mm-hmm. but the scope of the film. Like, it's just a huge movie. I loved it. Um, and I have to say, I did, at the very end, where baby Brad Pitt dies, like, <laughs> I might have gotten a little glassy on it. It's like, oh, oh yeah. No, I was, like, Brad heaving Pitt. sobs. So. Yeah. Well, I don't do that, but I do, I do that feel some days. emotions. Yeah. I was like, I, this is not hunger or tiredness. <laughs> this is new feeling. What is this new feeling? <laughs> His heart grew three sizes, that day. <laughs> And he promptly punched someone. I did a punch a wall. I was like, no. <laughs> Choke it down. <laughs> oh, I thought it was wonderful. I did too. I think this is the first one that we talked about that he adapted from a book or a short story oh. so far. But that's something that I love about him is how awesome he is at adapting books and stories. It's like his whole MO. Right. Like, there's books that I love, and they're like, they're going to make a movie of it. And you're like, oh, this could go either way. But if he's directing it, I, no worries. Like, it's going to be amazing. It's probably going to be better than the book. Or... Tarantino said um, that he thought Fincher was the most talented director of his generation, like the Tarantino-Fincher generation. Uh, and his only sort of... It wasn't a complaint. It was just sort of like the only thing that separates the two is that Fincher doesn't write his own movies. He's mm-hmm. like an idea on his own. But um, my only sort of problem with that comment is I think Fincher is the most talented director of his generation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Quentin Tarantino is a weirdo with a foot fetish. Yep. So. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing is, but he's still, I feel like Fincher still, even though he's directing somebody else's material, you don't walk out like, oh, blah, blah, blah. You walk out being like, that was a Fincher film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter whose material it is. You know it's him. Yeah. Whereas somebody like Tarantino, I feel like he has to work with his own material because he's so, like, in his own world. Yeah, I agree completely. Like, what would he do with something else? I don't know. Well, I did Jackie Brown. That was not original. Yeah, yeah. That was good. I feel like it's actually, like, a compliment being able to do better with somebody else's work. Like, it's probably a lot easier to do your own vision start to finish. Because, like, you don't need to worry about somebody else making these decisions when you're writing it or, like, worrying about offending somebody who wrote it. So I think uh, not directing a work that you wrote is probably, and, like, it being good is probably a, a bigger skill to have. Well, even taking it on and, like, if it if the piece speaks to him enough for him to want to make it, then, like, it, I don't know, that resonance within him, like... It shows. Mm-hmm. You know, really well, it's like some of my favorite songs are cover songs, and yeah. it's when, mm-hmm. like, if you if an artist hears or sees something, but he's like, I just know I can tweak this in a way, yeah, and it'll be that much better. And I think that's what Fincher can do with anything that comes on his way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Madonna with American Pie. <laughs> that was my. That's what I was referencing. Oh my god! I mean, that is the best. That's the worst reference ever. Oh my gosh. It's not as good as Lenny so Kravitz. much better. Oh, so boy. much better. Don't try uh, to bait me. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> just our, our opinions are just bait. Oh, <laughs> boy. Um, our number six movie, also based on a book, although also kind of just based in life, but there is a book called The Accidental Billionaires that it's based on, and this is The Social Network from 2011, starring Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, and Justin Timberlake. 
Um, in my opinion, this movie was going to be a win no matter what because it's it's Aaron Sorkin and it's David Fincher. That's like, how do you not win with that? Mm-hmm. Um, unless it was about homophobic racist sharks, I was going to be on board with this. That would have been the only thing that would have terrified me. That's my movie. Me. That's your like, favorite movie, but that would, I would have diary. walked that away. Sounds like a great movie. Um, but it wasn't just me who liked it. The Social Network is Fincher's highest scoring film on Rotten Tomatoes and on Metacritic with mm-hmm. a 96 and a 95, respectively. And I actually did read the book that this was based on, but it was just like, kind of like a, here's how Facebook got started and here's these characters. Um, but I feel like he really took that and ran with it. Sorkin and Fincher. I mean, again, with those two. I went into it thinking, like, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, a movie about Facebook. This is a new low for humanity to sink to. But, I mean, I ranked it as number seven, just above Panic Room. <laughs> the last movie Ouch. on this list that I have seen. Um, but, like, it was good. It was okay. I have this as my number four. I loved The Social Network when it came out. Yeah. I think I saw it with you. I think we uh, all did. Maybe. No, I, you no. bought it for me on DVD. Okay. I think I saw it with Andy. Maybe. I No, I feel like I, I saw it on a smaller screen no. first. Well, I don't know. Maybe I saw it with Alex. I don't know. I think we definitely saw it together. But I remember going into it and you're like, again, you're like, oh, it's a movie about Facebook. Yeah. What, you know. The bar and is set low. I remember being like, how is it possible that it's so, there's so much tension when there's no real action. It's mm-hmm. like talking and typing and him like pacing in his flip-flops. But it was still extremely yeah. tense. Like I never got bored. I think and pacing and kind of that is one of his strengths too. Right. Um, but I, lo- I love this movie. And when I got it on DVD, like when it came out, I watched it so many times. Like right after it came out. I believe that. I think I didn't see it until it started getting like awards show mm-hmm. recognition. And I was like, well, might as well. Everyone won't shut up. Yeah, I saw it late, too, and it was because Christina bought it for me. I didn't have any drive to see it, but she right. raved about it. And I do I do like it a lot. It's an excellent, it's an excellent made movie uh, for a topic that holds no interest for me for yeah. the most part. Okay, this is definitely more at me and Alex's alley. Yeah. The topic of this Well, movie. like, the topic of it turned me off, but I was able to stay engaged. And yeah. I thought that was, like... A feat of filmmaking. This was also when I 100% fell in love with Andrew Garfield. Um, Can we talk about Army Hammer? Can we talk about Uh, the possibility of two Army Hammers? I saw Army Hammer at Warner Brothers one time, and I was was sweating. He was working. Yeah. And it was when he was dressed up for J. Edgar, so he was in, like, dapper, old-fashioned clothes. Mm -hmm. Damn. Uh, It's the best use of a Beatles song in a movie, I think. The end sequence, the credits. Baby, you're a rich man. Okay. Really great. I love the soundtrack to this movie, too. It's okay. I had, I took some, uh, no, what was I saying? I didn't like the usage <coughs> of In the Hall of the Mountain King. Oh, that was the best. It was so good. I listened <laughs> to that incessantly. It's so good. It's so good. I thought Grieg was dying all over again. <laughs> um, that should not be electronicized. It was fun to have like <laughs> classical music you could dance to. <laughs> Um, for the listeners at home, Andy is looking at Alex in a way that I'm feeling I might need to call 911 soon. Andy is elitist bourgeois scum. Andy and Alex is, is right. a snob. Alex is always right. I am a total right. snob. Um, this it's movie... like the best thing Norway has ever produced is Edvard <laughs> Grieg and, and he got fucked hard. Uh, I... 
love this movie, and I'm really surprised that it's my number four. I'm not sure like what drugs I was on that day because it's well, like no, because that's really how I feel. Good. But then I look at my top three, and I'm like, I can't, <coughs> I can't move any of my top three either. So it's tough. Yeah, um, but I mean, this movie, going back to like talking about David Fincher like being able to adapt things, like if this was a Sorkin film, and it feels like a Sorkin film. But then it also feels like a David Fincher yeah. film. And those are like my two favorite things. Right. Let's but like this. for somebody <laughs> to be able to like take Aaron Sorkin's work and then also put their own stamp on it, I think like you really need a director for that. Because yeah. Aaron Sorkin also has like a complete signature mm-hmm. where you also knew it was a, a Sorkin yeah. movie. What if he um, wrote a few episodes of House of Cards? Who Sorkin? Yeah. That'd be good. <sighs> Kevin um, Spacey with Sorkin dialogue? <sighs> Call me. Also, uh, first introduction to Rooney Mara in a Fincher movie. Yeah. Um, and that that scene where they're having dinner and it's just like a quick Sorkin back and forth. Yeah. It's so, so, so good. Her sister's better. But like looking... <gasps> Whoa. Oh, God. Watching that scene... Oh, my God. You would never Even predict... That, that, was, just, out of that was like <laughs> purely antagonistic and I don't really feel Andy that. is baiting Alex, just so you guys... I am. Rumi um, Mara is a god. But like from watching her in this movie, you would not be like, "Oh, that is Lizbeth." Like, let's yeah. get on this. Yeah. But he kind of did. Well, she convinced mm-hmm. him. She was like begging. I feel like she was like, "Put me in that fucking movie, David Fincher." And he was like, "Ah." And then. Well, and then he had to convince everybody else because at yeah. the end, like he saw it and wanted to fight for that. Yeah. Which well, and apparently a ton of people were considered for that, and she ended up with it. But like, I can't. For wait, the girlfriend or for a girl, for... the dragon tattoo. Oh, okay, yeah, right. But like, I can't picture anybody else in that role now. Nope. I mean, honestly, like this this role feels more like a Kate Mara role. Like it is like if we're it's gonna fluff. we're gonna bring up the sister. It's not fluff. Like she took it and really owned it. Like it is a pivotal scene in the movie. Yeah, she was excellent at it's, sort of. It's kind of up. like the instigation of right. She him being started a Facebook. And then a well, I was gonna say it's she's the sort of moral compass of the movie that yeah. you then have to ignore to go win. Mm-hmm. Right. Like she's like, no, <laughs> I'm a good person, and we should do this way. He's like, ah, uh, no, I want a billion dollars. <laughs> so I think she was she did a great job as that sort of uh, plot device, if you want to call it. That. I think this whole movie is really well cast. Like Jesse Eisenberg, yeah. excellent. Andrew Garfield, boom boom, love Seriously. him. Tim so Eduardo. Pretty. Hardcore. Justin Timberlake, I mean, you never know what you're going to get putting mm. someone in a he's movie like that. He's the only bad part for I, me. I find, first off, he's just distracting. Like, oh, I hate that fuck. Right. Um, <laughs> so to do that, he takes you out of the movie. You're like, I just hate that guy. He's the Julia Roberts. But you are yeah. also supposed to hate Sean Parker. Okay, the best, the, but his best part though is when he has the girl in his room and he's trying to get her out of the shower and he's like, "Amy, there's a snake in here." Like that's what I think of when I think of Justin Timberlake in this movie. It's actually the snake from the Britney Spears performance. <laughs> Recycled it. It's like there's a snake in a box. <laughs> um, um, okay, I'm, like, a, I'm on board with Justin Timberlake in this movie. I'll be the one that says it. I'm not. I'm not. He's. I'm surprised you're not. I know. So am I. But like, he's not a good actor. No. Period. I think he's. And he's funny. He's like good with comedy more than. But this wasn't a comedy. Like he was the comedy in it. I think. And yeah, but he also had to be like this big character that. I mean, he's in it more than a lot of the other characters, and it should have been, like, an actor who could do it. Uh, yeah, I think his character, you could see almost like like a Merlin sort of character as sort of the ideological guide to um, Eisenberg, and I just don't think Tumblick has the uh, gravitas to pull that off at all. So yeah. who, who would we cast instead? Sean Connery. Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that so makes 100% sense. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know who I would cast instead. Because, like, looks-wise, he had it. Like, he was supposed to be, like, kind of hot. Yeah. And, like, I could buy Justin Timberlake starting Napster. I just, I couldn't buy him God, I used to use hours. Napster so much. Yeah. This is recorded. You can't say that. You can't. I said used to. I didn't know about Napster until it was already gone. Oh my god. Oh. One day Nick comes into work. He goes, do you know that you can go online and you can download music for free? And I was like... Nick, it's like 2010. What the hell are you talking about? I think that's even earlier than it actually was. <laughs> I, think you're being I was generous. being generous. Wow. Um, this was last week. This was two months ago. Yeah. I called her up on my special phone that goes in my pocket. Like, hey. yeah. yeah, I don't know who I would cast as Sean Parker, but yeah. um, was this the first Trent Reznor score? Full score? I think so. Yeah. 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 Which is incredible. I love this. Like, and all subsequent ones are just yeah. great. The music, Fincher and Reznor, like, A+. Plus. Yeah. A plus. So good. Yeah. I know how you feel about it, but, like, you couldn't be No, no, no. They fit the anyway. tone of the movies. Like, I, yeah. it's appropriate. Andy, tell us who you have a tattoo of. I have a tattoo of Igor Stravinsky. Okay, so, like, Andy is not primed to love Andy, this. tell us who, who Igor Stravinsky is. He was a composer. Um, Igor. <laughs> he's Russian. <laughs> He wrote a lot of ballets and shit, and he is my favorite person in the world. That's going to be the title of his biopic. Like, that is... Ballets and shit. Yeah. More students <laughs> story. I like him more than Linda Ronstadt. I think... Everyone... <laughs> Silence. <laughs> I really I think she was on the short list. Linda Ronstadt's mom likes him more than... <laughs> That's like the weirdest barometer. Oh my god. <laughs> We're all like, oh, yeah, oh, and Linda Ross, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. She's amazing. Anyway, um. <laughs> okay, number five. I'm being forgotten. Fight Club. Fight Club came out in 1999, starring Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, and Hel- Helena Bottom Carter, based on the novel by Chuck Palahniuk. Uh, Fincher told The Guardian that he'd actually tried to buy the rights to the book before Fox got it. He said, I nearly pissed myself. I was laughing so hard when I read it. Uh, this time he tried a different tactic than he'd used on Alien 3, laying it out for the studio before they agreed to work together. In his Guardian interview, he said, you can't make a movie like that against the will of a studio. That's kind of what I tried to do on Alien. But if you can get them to buy off on what it is, you can move an inch towards those things that will hopefully make them immortal. Despite the initial disdain it got from fest- some festivals and critics, like I think it got booed at Cannes. Yeah. Like it was hated. Well, Cam's um, too pretentious. Yeah. Um, it's because of the politics in the movie they hated. But Fight Club has a huge fan base now. Fincher says, it's a cult movie. It's just a big cult. Uh, and according to The Guardian, fans hailed it as a savage deconstruction of bogus notions of Western masculinity. For Fincher, the film is an attack on all those things that complicate and confuse our sense of maleness. It's a condemnation of the lifestyle seekers and the lifestyle sellers and the lifestyle packagers. Fight Club. Wow. This was the first Fincher movie I saw. Yeah, I think it was my first. I remember I watching it. I think I was a freshman in high school. Minus, I think the first one I saw was Seven. No, it must have been Alien 3. I remember Bob. Oh, and Seven VHS. I saw. Yeah. yeah. I so didn't see Seven one. until later. I wasn't old enough to like see Seven when it came out. Fight Club is my number three. Fight Club is my number five. Mine too. It's, it's my number six. I loved it so, so very much. I watched it several times. Like, I think in succession, like it stopped. I rewound it because it was on a tape. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. There were definitely several years where I considered Fight Club my favorite movie. 
Yeah. And part period of that is or just fair pitching. Just period. Wow, really? Uh, yeah. Like 1999 to like 2002, <clears throat> I was like hardcore. Fight Club is my favorite movie. Um, I also love the book and I loved Chuck Palahniuk too. I don't read. So <laughs> I was, you know, and I loved Edward Norton. Biggest crush on him. Yes. Um, and but and I love. I still love this movie. But I think for for me, I was going on like. Which, which movies do I genuinely like like the most that I would want to watch over and over? And I feel like I do have to be in a certain headspace to watch Fight Club. It's not just a good casual like I can watch anytime. Right. I feel like this is the movie that really gave us Helena Bonham Carter. She's fantastic and in this she's movie. I love Marla Singer. Like I When she know. says, I, I haven't fucked her. like that since grade since school. Since grade school, I lost it. Which like There's so many shocking moments in the movie like that. Like, dialogue makes you go, whoa. Well, well I, the original line for right. that was supposed to be like, I, I want to have, have your abortion. abortion. And they're like, too much. And he's like, fine, too I'll change much. it, but you have to let me do whatever the line is that we come up with. And they're like, fine. So it was, I haven't fucked like that since grade school. Whoa. But they do the line at, I want to have your abortion. That, like, I also feel like that's That's a role. beautiful line. <laughs> <laughs> that's the role that typecast her, too. Like, yeah. They're like, okay, Helena, this is who you are now. Until well, Tim Burton was like, no, you want this. Fuck them both. But, like, <laughs> they have. I'm a golf prince. As for hell with this. Like, just, uh. Yeah. Um, I think it, I'm so, I think one of the things that talks to how good it is is the scope of its cult following because it has stupid people mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. love insane clown policy like the movie. Mm-hmm. But also really intelligent people and film critics and. It spans sort of the of uh, it just sort of spans everybody, classes and uh, yeah. experiences. It's an excellent movie, it always. And uh, the reason Can hated it is because they saw it as gloriously fascist. I think uh-huh. is what they called it. Um, good. I really <laughs> was drawn in initially because it was a bunch of really cut guys just beating <laughs> the shit out of. Also, each other. Jared Leto. Also, oh my yeah. god. Oh, yeah, and Jared. the Blondie. real hunk. Meatloaf. Meatloaf. <laughs> Bob had, had bitch tits. tits. <laughs> He's a big moose. Yeah. Oh, when he just, when Bob just like takes the narrator and just plunges him into his bosom. Mm-hmm. Oh. That like made me feel so gross. Right. You could like hear like, the squishing. Just like feel like being hugged by Meatloaf in that, I, I would vomit. You want to be hugged by Meatloaf who drove the bus in Spice World. Yeah. yeah. Did you see yeah. the extras on, like, I mean, on the tape, it was, like, <laughs> after the credits, they showed uh, Meatloaf doing all kinds of, like, fat suit tests, oh. and he, there was one where he was running, <laughs> and he's wearing, he might have been wearing a shirt, or, like, maybe just the fat suit, but those tits were just going everywhere. <laughs> like, okay, Meatloaf running test number two, <laughs> like, with bigger tits. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's probably the best part of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) I think the fact that it wasn't liked right away, but then like over time it became this huge classic, I feel like that also speaks to the fact that it's good Mm -hmm. because you had to like think about it. Like it had to kind of worm its way into the culture. It wasn't just like, oh, it's a hit. Cool. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, we're going to process this. Mm -hmm. My brother graduated from Emerson with a degree in film. And one of his classes was you had to write. Uh, a screenplay for your favorite movie and everyone in the class like oh awesome I can't wait to do this and then the professor added it cannot be Fight Club or The Matrix (laughs) (laughs) everyone in the class like oh come on I'd be like and here is mine of the Mighty Ducks wait did he do The Apartment? no he did uh, Breaking Away Breaking Away that's a great movie and and the professor wrote on his paper like excellent choice thank you for treating this also a great movie Mm -hmm. Nick's brother is cooler than him just FYI well 
everybody is a twin. <laughs> but a far less thorough Not lover. Not <laughs> He's nowhere near as aggressive when tearing Alice up. Just doesn't reach around. <laughs> oh boy. Is that it for Fight Club? Do you need like another great transition? Like, <laughs> make another Tearing comment. people up. Speaking of murderous love stories, number four, <laughs> Gone Girl. Gone Girl is from 2014, starring Ben Affleck, Rosamund Pike, um, based on the novel by Gillian Flynn. It's always tricky to adapt such a hugely popular book and do it successfully, but that's just what Fincher did. As we mentioned, he's good at that. Um, he was really the perfect choice to adapt the dark and twisted, twisty novel in which almost none of the characters are truly likable. Uh, just a heads up, I'm a total Ben Affleck stan, so I was 40,000% on board with everything about this movie. And uh, fun fact, according to IMDb, Reese Witherspoon obtained the rights from Gillian Flynn in June 2012 and decided to produce the film under her new production label, Pacific Standard, um, as she would be able to play the role of Amy. Really? Gross. Um, however, after her initial meeting with David Fincher on his vision of the film, Witherspoon withdrew from contention, realizing that she was not the right person to play the female lead. Ooh, I remember thinking she was going to do it for a minute. Right, because like, she having, was attached to it. Right, yeah. having not read the book, um, but like knowing mostly she what it was, like thinking like she couldn't do it. Like So it was it was good that she had the wherewithal to back Right, like I'm glad that she wasn't like too ego about it. To be like, right. no, it's my movie. <laughs> because I think Rosamund Pike Rosamund nailed Pike it. killed it. And I have yeah. a thing here um, from IMDb also. It says, for her performance, she drew inspiration from Nicole Kidman's performance in To Die For. Awesome. Based on the Pamela Smart case. Um, and Sharon Stone's in Basic Instinct also. Yes. I need to do a whole thing about Basic Instinct because I'm obsessed. Um, <laughs> so she also studied Caroline Kennedy, sister of John Kennedy Jr., for her body language and her aloof really? mood. Oh, to get that, like, To get that aloofness. Cool yeah, like, yeah. cool girl thing. That is interesting. Kind of, like, waspy. But I think she she nailed it, and Ben Affleck nailed it too. I yes, Ben Affleck always. I'm not a fan of his, he but was, he was good in it. He yeah. was good. Right. I would leave it at good. Yeah. I, I love think him. Somebody else could have been better. I think the story was what made the movie really good. Mm-hmm. I think just Ben Affleck was acceptable. I think it was Rosamund that. Well, she's he the was whole never movie. meant to be like the right. explosive character, yeah. but I think he's really good at kind of that like smarmy smirky kind of you don't know if you really trust him kind of deal and i think david fincher said that the reason he cast ben affleck because he was also like ben affleck um was he saw a picture of him doing that kind of like fake smile Uh to the press and he was like oh that's that's what i'm looking for and he looks a bunch like scott peterson he does does. ben affleck researched scott peterson specifically before playing this role i have to say you know i was very impressed with uh tyler perry tyler perry i thought he was fantastic i was like what the fuck where did this come from what is he doing right like neil patrick harris i was like really but he was good too no he was excellent in it that heart that scene was real tough oh yeah real real tough i would i was gonna say just this movie was Fincher's version of like Blue Velvet where yeah. it's like hey the suburbs are really not that nice ah, after all no yeah. shit okay so my take did on anybody else read wrong. the book first no I'm the only one I read like I don't the book read. okay read. I, don't read I love reading <laughs> so first of all I read this book it was already popular when I read it and I was like finishing it at Panera and I noticed there was this table of like three old ladies that kept like looking over at me and I was like do I have something on my face like what's happening so when I finished the book and then I got up and left and they were like come here come here and I was like what and they're like what did you think they're like waiting for me to finish so they could talk to me. I was like, all right, old ladies, can I sit down? Um, <laughs> so you took but the knife I think, out of your hand. And I think I was worried that like, okay, I've read the book. I know how it ends. I know the twist. Like, what's the movie going to do? to? Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of debate on whether they would change the ending, which they didn't. Um, 
But I think the movie, it didn't matter that I knew what was going to happen. It was still exciting. It's, yeah. cause, and he's so good at that, like right. creating tension, the pacing, um, that I didn't care. And I was also interested to see how they were going to reveal the twist in the movie. Yeah. Because it's so much easier to do in a book. Yeah. Like, how do you do that in the movie and make it? Uh, the driving. The, like, yeah. Monologue, like, throwing pens out. But yeah. what, what so twist, good. though? Like, there are a few. Well, like, the first twist is that you realize that she's alive. And then when she does the whole, like... Psycho bitch monologue. Well, the, the killing of NPH. Uh-huh. And then, like, blaming it all on him. Uh-huh. Like, fuck... There's a that girl is an amazing harsh. French B movie called uh, "He Loves Me, He Loves Me Not" with Audrey Tateau, where it has a very similar weird twist that completely catches you off guard, and it worked perfectly. I didn't know anything about the book or the story or anything else, and it worked perfectly. I was like, it sort of uh, reinforced my misogyny. Goddamn women! Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I was there was a lot of stuff about this movie when it came out. Like, is it misogynistic? Is it anti-feminist? But God Rose- damn it, it's just a fucking movie. <laughs> right. But Rosamund Pike God is damn. like... It's called why- She's like, why can like Christian Bale can be American Psycho and everyone's like, yeah. And like yeah. Dexter and everyone's like, yeah. And then it's like a female doing it and everyone's like, wait a minute. Yeah. Pump the brakes. <laughs> like, no. This is an amazing character. She's freaking twisted. And she's just like... And she's strong as hell. Thrilling. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she got that wine bottle up there. Yeah. She killed a gay that man. That was hard to watch. He was inside her. So, well, to be clear, he was not that. gay in the movie, but his wiener was out. It was really hard to masturbate. Because, <laughs> I mean, covered in blood, it was. Like, oh, I mean, no. I came, but I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, is it Missy Pyle? Missy Pyle is Missy Pyle. Pyle. Oh, great. Yes. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, she was. She was she, great. Pitch yeah. perfect. Finally, uh, she's a role. She's got a weird face, and this works. Yeah, she's. I love her. I do too. I she's love such her a chameleon. So much, like in looks. Her, like, well, she has like a weird music she looks career. Like a she's very really. Fun. Yeah, she's got like, a couple albums out, and they're not bad. Okay. She's in uh, Josie and the Pussycats, which I'm also going to do. Never seen. Um, her, her in Big Fish. She was in one of the Bad Home Alones. Yeah. Which I that was my first introduction. I loved her there. Yeah, two were bad, two were good. I was saying there were four bad ones. Oh. Andy! What? Get way. out! Anywho. <laughs> yeah, he's barred from subsequent podcasts. So what about the ending, though? Because there's also a lot of people that hate, like my brother. He's like, oh, I, I was with them until the ending and then I hated it. And I was like, great. like, you know that's how the book well, ends. When they were going like, to like stay together. The fact and... that, they, that no one got their comeuppance. But I was like, but, and I think in general people that have written about it. You don't need to get your comeuppance. But the thing is that their punishment is to be together. Mm-hmm. Because, well, like, they're both terrible, and they both did bad things. I think so, she's way more terrible. Oh, yes. Well, yeah. she's more homicidal. Yeah. But he's not great. He's not a good person. He didn't fake him. a death and then, like, kill yeah, like, but that's a couple awesome. people. And... What? Sorry, my, my serial killer is showing. I was, was going to say, it's very revealing on you. <laughs> he did, however, finally show his penis. Yeah, there was a lot of ween in this movie. <laughs> I was very happy with that. See how that was way easier to masturbate to. <laughs> what the freeze frame in the shower? That's all you need. It is all you need. It like, was like literally, you know, like it's a, like before Edward Norton gets second. raped in the shower in American Psycho. <laughs> Not American Psycho, American History X. American History. From my dad. Um, yeah, you just have to pause it at the right moment. You know. This is uh, Fincher's like Mimi Rogers and Door on the Floor. Second movie with Ween in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was the first? Fight Club. Yeah. Get that flash of Ween. Yeah. I mean, you really have to work for the free really... especially if you're on VHS. Well, then it's shaking, so it's like you've got some movement back. What's happening? It's better than a picture.
adventure. Like, yeah. So like Andy's still teaching himself about that, but yeah. <laughs> um, okay, this is a like a trivia thing from IMDb that says Rosamund Pike told film critic Peter Travers that whenever David Fincher would catch her on set about to use her cell phone, he would take a stern face selfie and send it to her, causing her to instantly pocket her phone. And I would be like, how do I get a stern face selfie from David Fincher? That could be like an app. Like I you wish would totally pay for that. Like, like $5 a like month. Looking angrily into the phone and then sending it to you instead of just being like, put your phone away. I would yeah. love celebrity selfies. Like if 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 they no yeah you <laughs> shocking I would pay like a good deal Pump the like brakes. a good amount of, I mean I guess that's like Snapchat but like I would pay for it is what I'm saying yeah, like, if Sean Young me. would send me a selfie ew oh my Terry god Polo. what oh my god gross uh, if Amy Fisher would send me a selfie oh can I tell this story <laughs> yeah go ahead um okay so Alex and I worked together in a record store and when I met Alex he was like sixteen yeah, and I was what twenty four I don't know I'm eight years older than Alex okay. And we were talking, we were joking, because we love each other, and I was like, oh, you're the Amy Fisher to my Joey Buttafuoco. And then I was like, oh, you probably don't even know who Amy Fisher is, because he's young, right? How would he know? And he goes, I love Amy Fisher. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he goes, she's so famous. <laughs> and that is like the thesis statement of Alex, and I just love that, and I, I just love that moment. <laughs> So I just wanted that to accompany she's his. So <laughs> I love her. She's Alyssa so Milano played her in a movie. That's all. So did so Drew Barrymore. Spelling. And Drew Barrymore. Yeah, yeah. Drew Barrymore and Alyssa Milano. It wasn't Tori Spelling. No. no. Tori Spelling played Joey Buttafuoco's parachute pants. <laughs> <laughs> the true star. The Who real Joey Buttafuoco. Wasn't it like someone like? Um. You know who would make a great Joey Buttafuoco now? That was Amy Winehouse's father. <laughs> Ew. Because he's also like just as skeevy. I was thinking like Joe Piscopo. Frank Stallone. Oh, he's the best balloon. Sylvester Stallone. I hope, Justin by the way, we're recording on Oscar Day. I hope Sylvester Stallone does not win. If he won, I'd kill myself. For what? Oh, for that If Brie Larson Guys, wins. hold on to these receipts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I do yeah. just want to go back to the ending because mm-hmm. I think it is only because Americans expect and demand a happy, a happy ending. ending. Yeah, which yeah. is how that Pretty in Pink upset. got ruined. I respect, like, a not happy Hollywood ending way more. As do I. Like, I will feel so like. pissed about it, but, like, that's why indie movies are better, because they're not, like, right. a slave to the Hollywood well, machine. Well, Europeans and like, Japanese and Koreans yeah. are only like, hey, look, and life is shitty and ends bad. <laughs> I, I know, it's like, why I like to. A Fincher quote at the very beginning where he says, like, you know, your audience is to make, your job is to make the audience feel a certain way, and I want them to feel uncomfortable. Right. Like, he's like, my movies don't have happy endings. Like, my movies no. are going to make you walk away being like, Go to a parlor for that. Right. So, I think, like, his goal is not making a happy Good. ending. And I like that they didn't change the book. Like, the book's ending. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the author of the book wrote the screenplay, and I like when that happens really? because I feel like they retain, you know, like, Stephen writing Perks of Being a Wallflower. And directing it. Yeah. That's like and Rice writing Interview with the Vampire. Nabokov writing Lolita. Really? Yeah. No so sure. I like that. It, I feel like it keeps the kind of the authenticity of yeah. the... And if you do change something, like like one of the things I loved about Perks, and there were a few things yeah. changed in Perks, is like the author wrote the screenplay and directed it. Like so if like you change something, he gets to. Right. He's in charge of the universe. Right. So... Well, like it gives you, you a pass even, where... You can't be mad at right, it. Right. People can't yeah. complain. Like, look, <laughs> it was my vision in the first place. Right. So piss off. Right. <laughs> Although George Lucas doesn't get to say that. <laughs> We're talking about filmmakers. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, have you seen Captain EO? It's the best movie ever. I've never. It's the Michael Jackson movie they used to show at Disney World that 
I have seen that. Yeah, I have seen that. George Lucas directed it, and Francis Ford Coppola produced it. Oh, come on! David Fincher worked on Return of the Jedi. Uh huh. Yeah. He grew up near George Lucas. At least it's the good one. No, this is a shitty one. Is that the first one? The third one. I've only ever seen the first one. Oh, and that was like the second one ago. is an actual actually I'm sorry whoa yeah you're like a Ewok rewind. fan and no <laughs> I'm so sorry I do like Empire Strikes Back yeah everyone likes a that time. one uh, David Lynch was supposed to direct Jedi but he's like I don't fucking want to do this David Lynch is crazy fuck your goddamn Ewoks what the hell are those he was he's like I have a headache and I don't want to be here George <laughs> That would have been a That was actually David Lynch. Just <laughs> in for a second to just give us that. <laughs> okay, so we actually have a tie for number two and number three. Yeah. Um, because they're both great. I'm gonna start with Seven. Uh, Seven came out in 1995, starring Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. Um, Fincher told The Guardian that a couple of years after the debacle of Alien 3, he finally got a script by a guy who was kind of in his world and thinking about films the same way he was and revered the same kinds of movies that he revered. And that was Andy Walker, who had written a script called Seven. Uh, he couldn't get it made and had rewritten it 13 times in oh, order to make it lucky. more likable. Um, I also enjoy this anecdote from an interview Fincher did with Esquire that invited invited to a test screening of Seven, guests were told the movie starred Brad Pitt from Legends of the Fall and Morgan Freeman from Driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> Recounting this on Seven's director's commentary, Fincher giggles, they couldn't have been more offended, he says. You couldn't molest the audience more than to promise Legends of the Fall and Driving Miss Daisy than to unleash this on them. They had just been gang raped. <laughs> Well, now just because of that, I want to move it up my uh, ranking. <laughs> this was my number one movie. Oh. I love Seven. I have like seen this probably more than any other really? movie. Wow, so good! It is a perfect movie. Yeah, and I would say it's. It is second, perfect. Yeah, it is, and it's second to none. Like. It's different, obviously, than Silence of the Lambs, but the two of them are perfect. They yeah. are absolutely flawless films. Mm-hmm. And Seven is just a 90s sort of updated version of that sort of kind of story, but of like a serial killer story, I mean. Yeah. But uh, it's perfect all the way through. It is startling. It is startling. bizarre. It's amazing. Still like the lust killing. Yep. Just, I... Which one was? Um, with the... I have well, on the penis. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, the prosthetic mm. thing. And wow. So kind and of and that actor, whoever played that John yeah. Doe, he was ma- I, he's been in a million things, right? Yeah, and he's great every time. But he's yeah. amazing in that. When he like he's in pieces, like you can tell that character is never going to be the same <laughs> again. He like I mean I don't know what he David Fincher gave for direction to that guy, but it was flawless. I'm Fincher, do it. Yeah, like you just <laughs> fucked this idiot. girl and just killed her it. with your cock. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on normal Wednesday. <laughs> I'm David Fincher. We're going to be here for 90 takes. <laughs> right. Yeah. So good. Maybe that was it. He just broke him. <laughs> just, that was take 88. I want to see my wife and kids. And he's like, that's in the movie. <laughs> They're in the box. Um, Gwyneth. Gwyneth was like the, the she was good. kicker. Wait. Like, like that, when she that, died. Yes. In the box. Mm-hmm. What's in the box? I can't think of a happier ending. <laughs> right? Hashtag goop. <laughs> goop no, wait, Alex goop is incredible. It. Alex goop it. is incredible. It is not Gwyneth Paltrow's like responsibility to make sure that the products she recommends to you you can afford. I 100 percent agree with that actually. 
Like that, if as long as she says, like, look, this is a high lifestyle right. website, then good for her. I have an honest Don't question. Why is it called Goop? Because it's GP, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. What's the, what are the O's? It's just linked to Is it name. like Infinity? It's no, it's just... It's Two just, eggs, sunny side up, huh? <laughs> it seems like Goop is the opposite of her aesthetic. I think that was part of it, too. Was Which just sort of like... She's like tricking yeah. you into thinking there were some dollar store items in there. <laughs> but she's like, look at this omelet pan for $4,000. You need this. But then a pretty cheap, pretty healthy recipe for an omelet that you can <laughs> so make in like, any pan. Like, just go on a sidewalk on a hot day. It's fine. Like, seriously, omelets are, like, the easiest thing to make? That's, yeah, so yeah, you don't I need the $4,000 pan. I do want a $4,000 Right, pan. everybody does. Right. That's the point. That's what people are pissed I about. Am. It's them, aspirational. Like, I would also get diamond cream facials if I could. I can't, but one day Vagina I will. steaming, yes. Uh, good for her. I stick to her guns. Fuck everybody else. Yeah. Uh, not that I'm a huge Gwen Paltrow fan. I am. Her, her cookbook, It's All Good, is incredible. Hotter. I don't know about that. Buy it on Amazon. All right, Gwen now Paltrow, that our infomercial's Paltrow. over. Blythe Danner. Yeah, Hottest. she's great. But, uh, yeah. So, okay, I actually ranked seven fairly low, considering I'm obsessed with serial mm, killers. I ranked weird. this number six. And it's, again, it's not because I don't like Seven. I love Seven. But for some reason, like, it's not what I would go to for, like, my, if I was, like, I'm going to Well, because your, your serial killer, Fincher, is Zodiac. For sure. Like, for that's sure. the one that's so answering your call. Right. Um, but, I, but I do love Seven. And I like that it was shot in L.A. and it's all dark and it's gritty and it was so always dark. raining. Yeah. Um, and it's creepy. And Kevin freaking Spacey. Kevin Spacey, like... And I love that they don't credit him at the beginning of yeah, the movie. Right. So you don't, you're not, like, waiting for him to show up. I'm against opening credits. Like... Like, telling who's in it. T- yeah, saying who's in it. Like, I mean, have a good sequence. You don't have to have names because, like, it's, even on TV shows, like, I'm just expecting, like, well, it so-and-so to show up. Well, kind of takes you out of it. Yeah. Like, if I'm supposed to disappear into the movie, I'm suspending my disbelief. Don't yeah. put, like, this person's name up there to yeah. remind me that it's a movie. Show that stuff at the end. Like if you that must. being said, I love Fincher's opening credits because they do, they're a mood setter. They right? are, yeah. Yeah, I you think, don't need names. You don't need names. I think put the cast, I mean the, the crew in the opening credits because like they don't get enough credit. Credit. Yeah. Credit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, save your cast for the end. Like they're, yeah. Well, Those, then at the end of seven, like the first thing that comes up is like Kevin Spacey. And we're all like, yes. 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 I was, well, you know what? Arlie Ermy was great in it because he was very understated. It was not yeah. just shouting like, yeah. I'm in, you know, I'm in charge. He was like, you know what, Mills? I know you're getting close to retirement, but, but I need you, buddy. And you're like, yeah. wow, look at Arlie Ermy actually being a regular person. Mm-hmm. He's great in it. Um, I love that Brad Pitt goes nuts and like just does it at the end. Yes. Like I love that he's just like, nope, fuck it. Yep. Um, the to this day, what, what year did that come out? Ninety four. Ninety five. Ninety five. All right, that sequence with the child molester strapped to the bed and then comes alive. Yeah. There's oh still, to this god, day, that's terrifying. All the air fresheners. Yeah. Like, oh god. Every time I've seen an air so freshener, the tree air fresheners since uh-huh. then, that's what I think of. Every it's time what, I watch that, it scares me. It jumps me. Twenty one years ago. Oh. Is that what it is? What? Seven came out twenty one years ago. Um, ninety five. Yeah. Yeah. So in twenty twenty one years. I still don't think there's a mainstream sequence like that where you're just like, it is so fucking nerve-wracking, and then you're like, holy fuck, that thing's still alive. Still, yeah. And whatever that guy's name is that plays the SWAT team leader that goes, you know, you got what you deserved. He was in Office Space and Platoon. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's great in everything, but he was, for the small sequences he was in, he was great in that as well. Who? Who is that? I, You know what? I, he, uh, he, he was one of the guys in Office Space that was trying to judge if you had to keep your job on my phone. So oh! Okay. But he's great in everything he does. Yeah. Um, and he was great as a SWAT team leader. Everything about that movie is just flawless. It's a perfect movie. That's For what it is, it is a perfect movie. Yeah. And think of it. That's his follow-up to Alien 3. 
Yeah, yes. you can call it his first Fincher film. Right. His right. opus. Yeah. His coming opus out party. Right. Yeah. Yeah. His coming out party. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, I wish you would. <laughs> You've totally got a chance. That'd be great. Yeah. I would hag for him so hard. <laughs> I well, I maybe that's how he met Kevin Spacey. Oh. Very grand. I love Kevin Spacey so much. I want him inside me. I, you have a shot, I'm sure. I do. He's great. I really do. I know. Okay. Speaking of shots, bang, Yay. bang. Number two slash three tied with seven, Zodiac, 2007, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Ruffalo, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, in an Esquire article, Fincher discusses that, like seven, Zodiac downplays the killer's wet work, as he calls it. I want to make a movie that has enough impact that it's going to do what it needs to do, he says, but I don't want to make a movie that serial killers masturbate to. Nice. And I love that. Cute. I think that really sums up like the power of Zodiac and a lot of his films. <clears throat> there's some violence, but it's by no means a slasher. Like There's more of a creepiness and an uneasiness that gets the point across. Um, as stated in the article, Fincher dispatches the victims quickly and without melodrama, the violence stark but brief, which clears the way to explore the Zodiac's other victims, the people who wrecked their lives trying to catch him which they never do. Um, just something to note, Fincher was actually growing up in the Bay Area during the time the Zodiac Killer was on the loose. Shit. Um, and it's too bad that this movie was made before everyone figured out that the Zodiac Killer is actually Ted Cruz. Wow. Have you heard about this? No. Oh, there's like this thing online that people are like, Ted Cruz is the Zodiac Killer. It's like actually... Oh, yeah, because big thing face. that's like yeah, gaining steam. Yeah. But I like this tweet that somebody was like, Ted Cruz is obviously not old enough to be the Zodiac Killer. So the real question is, how did he accomplish these killings? That <laughs> <laughs> was tweeted by Sean at Cake Throttle. Thank you for that, because I got a really good laugh at that. That's good. It's like, he's obviously not old enough. So the real question is, how did he accomplish <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, I love this movie. I agree. Like, I love that he says, I don't want to make a film that serial killers masturbate to. Like, that's sad. Right, exactly. Like, that's yeah, the torture yeah, part, yeah, and that's totally. not what I want to watch. No. But I love this movie. And to be fair, I have done my fair share of reading about the Zodiac Killer and all of that stuff, so I was, like, primed to like it. Yeah. But again, cast, A+. Plus. Yep. Pacing, yep. A+. Everything, A+. Plus. I mean, you could say that, like, if you've read so much about it, you were primed to, like, dislike it. Maybe. Like, the fact that For, it's like, a good movie. For, like, accuracy and stuff, right, yeah. Right, is... Like the Black Dahlia film. Wasn't he supposed to do that? Yes, I'll talk about that. I'm so excited about it. Um, But like, this is where his work with digital effects Uh paid off, where you could go back to the '60s and film it, and Mm -hmm. was the '70s. Um, And all the blood was added later. Well, like really? Uh huh. Yeah. uh, Why? It's a great movie. I think again, it like Benjamin Button. It's an enormous scope of a film that he pulls off. Really, he, in a strange way, you can tell he's someone who's obsessed with minutia. But yeah. seems to be able to be obsessed with no effort. Like, yeah. it just comes naturally. Right. Yeah. He's excellent at it. Uh, I've never watched one of his... Like, I get kind of obsessed about, like, continuity. And, like, you know, if a camera angle switches and someone is facing the wrong direction. Yeah. Like, I notice that kind of stuff. And it takes me out of the, the movie for a moment. Like, I've never been taken out of Which a is- picture movie. A credit to him, considering he makes them do 75 takes yeah, of every right. scene. So, like, there's ample opportunity to screw that mm-hmm. up. Like, like hair, like, just falling down, like, and being different in the next shot, and then back, mm-hmm. and then different. Like, no. He never does that. I mm-hmm. love it. Yeah, I think, we'll get to it a little later, but I think, you know, he gets compared all the time to Kubrick. But it is mm-hmm. there is nothing else you can compare him to, where it is just someone obsessed with film. Yeah. Um, and Zodiac, I think... Although it's not my favorite of his, I think I ranked it. Yeah, I ranked it at three. It's my number two. It's his. 
I think it's probably his most accomplished film. I think it shows everything he can do. Did it get any It didn't love? do well. No. No. Part of the problem, though, is I think people went in looking for Saw. Or like, yeah, I it was see like, a oh, it's movie. a serial killer movie. Yeah. Not what that is Or even all. Seven, and it's not really like Seven. It's, not, it's, it's about a guy obsessed with yeah, something. Yeah, it's about the destruction to his life, not about the actual MacGuffin killer. It's drives it. Like, right. he's just looking for that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why people... And don't I like, the guy who wrote... So it's based on a book by Robert Graysmith, which I've obviously read. Um, but he's the guy, he's the Jake Gyllenhaal character. Okay. And I guess after he watched this movie, he was like, huh, no wonder my wife left me. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. Um, was that Chloe Seveny? Yes, yeah. it was. She was great at Brown Bunny. Oh, gosh. Stop it. I'm just saying. Also, um, <laughs> I like the scene, oh my God, the scene with Ioni Sky where she's driving and she gets, like, she and her baby get picked up by him. And the song playing is by Donovan, and that's her that dad. Is brutal. Was Shut that up. Donovan's her dad. Oh my god! Yeah. I didn't know that. It's oh, her Hurdy Gurdy man. Yeah, Hurdy Gurdy man. And that's her oh. dad. So that's a cool kind of. That is awesome. I didn't know that thing at all. there. Right. But Donovan, like, his movie now makes me think of the Zodiac yep. Killer and the Manson Family. Yeah. Like when I was in LA driving up around like the Sharon Tate house, I was listening to Donovan, and I was like, I'm so creeped out right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I like did it to myself. <laughs> As I was licking the windows of the Sharon Tate house. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't get that close, Nick. Trust right. me. You can only get to the gate. It still tasted like copper. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Oh boy, I would have fainted on sight. Actually, the guy who bought the house is like the guy that produced like Full House and stuff. Like one of those big like and Saved by the Bell. It was a full one of those house. like eighties, nineties producers. But he like tore the whole thing down. But that oh. before Trent Reznor took the door that had pig written on it in blood. Which got washed which away Which got washed away Katrina. with Katrina. Fuck Katrina, damn it. Fucking but also, Katrina. fuck Trent Reznor for taking the door of that house and being like... He <laughs> loved it. Why? Yeah, that feels he, right. That feels he right. He took the door and put it on his well, house. Well, because he lived in, there he when he was recording. Orleans, yeah. And then um, his, her sister, Sharon Tate's sister, who's like a really big time victim's rights Karen. advocate. Deborah. <laughs> she Margaret. was like, dude, that's not cool. You're like getting off of my sister's death and he was like I never thought of it that way it's like yes you did why did you didn't rent this house not knowing especially because you took the friggin door like clearly you knew what you were doing not that I'm upset about it because like (laughs) none of us at this table are beyond that you know although I'd be terrified maybe he just took the door because there was an ample amount of semen on it (laughs) Uh, it's because he used it for sledding like He's like, I want to go sledding, but I don't have one. Here comes the door. And it was just this innocent, like, he little thing. He probably, like, woke resonated. the ghost of Susan Atkins by taking that door. Who's Susan Atkins? One of the Manson girls. Manson. The creepiest um, one. The sexiest one. Which Heim sister? Uh, I don't know. Okay. The brunette one. Not Danielle? not little one. Danielle. Yes, Danielle. Um, I don't the Heim sisters are Manson girls. It's just a Yeah, fact. they are. Anyway, but Zodiac, I thought the acting was on point. I love Jake Gyllenhaal. It, yes. Even though he broke Taylor Swift's heart, whatever. He was really great. He gave us all too well. Should have broken her glass. arm. <laughs> and her legs. Yeah, right? Guys. Just those pins just crippled as she's like rolling on the street. <laughs> like, gonna, her legs are incredible. Yeah. Yeah. leave them alone. I will edit you out of this entire thing. It will make no sense, but I will not care. I'm the queen. Um, but anyway. Also, Mark Ruffalo. Love him and everything. And Robert Downey Jr., it's a it's a rock star cast. It really is, and a cast that like doesn't always m- do well. Like they're not always great actors. Like when they are, they are, and when they're not, they're oh, not. Oh no, I'm sticking with Ruffalo. He's an really impressed. Hulk. Okay, Hulk is amazing. Those don't. Count. I love Hulk. And Those are not acting. Jill and Hall. I agree. Those paydays. Nightcrawler. Yeah. Nightcrawler. Yes. Have you seen Well, and this is sense. 
though. Like, I, I think David Fincher, right. like, really leaves an impact on an actor. Jake yeah. like, makes it well, a Jake Hall actor. certainly has gotten even better since then. Yeah. This was one of his, you know, it was after Brokeback Mountain, but it was, I believe, but it was before some of the other stuff. Maybe it was around Brokeback Mountain. Probably. It was before Love and Other Drugs. Okay, we don't... David Fincher produced that. Shut or he really? really? Oh my god, that's a yeah. blessing. Or his that company, is my favorite yeah. David He's Fincher like, movie. His name's on some weird stuff. Like his old film company did Salute Your Shorts, which I already okay. like cried jo- teaser Wasn't tears of propaganda? Joy Yeah, propaganda. Yeah, because they propaganda was a bunch of they did Twin Peaks too. television commercial First. directors that got together like we'll produce weird mm-hmm. stuff. But the most successful of those guys is Michael Bay. <laughs> Nick has a secret. Love which? Oh, you like Miami Vice? No, that's not Michael Bay. No, it's Michael Mann. I love Michael Mann. Okay, do you have a secret Michael Bay movie that you like? No. So. Okay, never mind. I think I was not even Armageddon. No, I, I love Armageddon. Movie. Stop it. There's nothing about. The only thing I'll say, and it's not going to be a positive necessarily, but he decided to make Pain and Gain for like thirty million, which was for him an indie film, because he wanted to show people he could make just a regular movie. Uh, my favorite film critic is a British guy named Mark Kermode. He says, congratulations, you succeeded in showing us your vision. It's a vision of the fucking void. You have a black heart. Now die. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that is why I like it. That's the only good I have to say with Michael Bay. Um, oh, at Paramount the Studios, they have, like, you know, the alleys between the, the actual sound stages are named, and there's one that's, like, Michael Bay Avenue, and I died a little inside when I saw that. That's where everybody shits. <laughs> <laughs> Just homeless piss smells, no. broken car parts, weird. Oh, good morning. Um, Zodiac, I've, okay, so not super violent. You're a creep. Not super violent, but like the scene where he's in the house with the film poster guy and he they're like in the basement and he's like, is anyone else in the house? And you could, that freaks me out every time. That guy's the guy that did voice for Roger Rabbit. And he was, like Alex was saying. Chuck like, something? Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing in a Fincher film. Like, Fincher was able to pull out yeah. a great. But to the violence part, the scene where he stabs the couple, couple in the yeah, field. Yeah, yeah, The part, part of the that. thing that makes it horrific, it is not, it is is the fact that it's not violent. It's not, there's no blood. You don't see any. Uh-huh. Sort of, it is a real life stabbing where it's just guy going, turn, turn, turn. Yeah. Like, ah, that is yeah. unsettling. Mm-hmm. Why did they add the blood later? I think he, he didn't want to use a collapsible knife, so I think uh-huh. they added the knife and the blood later. Yeah, I think they, they added just... all of it later because he didn't like the collapsible rubber knives that they looked cheesy. Yeah. So they just did the motion with like a Should plate. Should just you hired know. people you could stab. <laughs> <laughs> They're called Polish. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but uh, it is like, it's scary. This is never making it to <laughs> This is like the last it episode. I'll, I'll do a warning at the beginning. Someday when she's super famous on TV, like, it's gonna can we play this to you? Yeah. I want to be on TV. I have a face for podcasting. And it's sadly not a voice for podcasting. It's so sad. But I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. But, okay. Any last thoughts on Zodiac? Anyone? Um, can we it. just address John Carroll Lynch for a second? Oh, creep. Yeah. Like... Like, perpetual creep. Okay, as Drew Carey's brother, number <laughs> one, like, a little bit scary. But then he does something like Fargo, and you're totally in love with him just because he's, like, such a good husband. And then he does this, and you never really find out for sure if it was him. But then he does American Horror Story. Yeah, that one. As Ooh. the clown. <sighs> like a John Wayne Gacy type? Yeah, and then in another season, he plays John Wayne Gacy. God yeah. damn, really. he is tired. And, like, in the scene, there's him as John Wayne Gacy, and, like, this guy with a big question mark on his face 
that's the Zodiac Killer. Like, he's got some kind of weird obsession. Well, I think, I think he's typecast because he is scary because he's big yeah. and dopey looking, but also just plain. You pass a thousand of every yeah. And yeah. so if you put him in a mirror, like, that guy's well, the killer. It's like the guy that used to come into Bull Moose with the fanny pack. Okay. Yes, I was like, we all, just for oh, people, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for Pony people listening, we all used no, to work no, 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 at a, no, no, no. a record store. Curly hair. Oh, no. And like, he was a bowling ball. Yes, I know who you're talking about. With a fanny pack, yeah. like, up here. He wore it, like, oh, yeah, 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 just yeah. under his under, 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 Okay, yeah. But there's another guy that used to come into the store, and he looked very much like the, like, the John Carroll Lynch version of the Zodiac. And literally every time he came into the store, I'd be like, Zodiac. <laughs> really freaked me out. I thought he was the Zodiac, but I know that the true Zodiac is dead. So like, I just, I, I know. I know. Yeah. Just logistically. He won't answer my letters anymore. He solved it. Tom Cruise he is immortal. Ted Cruise. Ted Cruise is immortal. <laughs> yeah, with Tom Cruise. Slash, the guy's dead because he would have to be. But that it brings me up. Like, so to make a movie about the Zodiac killer that's not about the actual killings, it's interesting because there's no resolution to this. Yeah, right. We still don't no happy definitively know who the Zodiac Killer is, which might mean, like, with a less skilled director that it just ends, like, like nothing right. happens. Right. Yeah. But I with didn't, one of those screens that, like, says... Yeah, like, gives like, you, like, the, yeah. the rest of the story because they couldn't figure out how to make right. a movie about it. That's right. That's right. the biggest letdowns. Like it's just a dumb American way to do it. Like, you're dumb, we're dumb, but it's okay because we're all dumb. Just read this. Just read it. It's fine. But, uh... But I like, I like that like they didn't too. try to to really resolve it. It was just like because it wasn't about that. It was about it's about the guy Jake Gyllenhaal just getting totally apart. beaten right. into the ground by yeah. by his obsession. So anyway, anyway, yeah. Team Fincher. That's all I got. Okay, here we go. Number one, which I don't agree with, <laughs> but the rest of us do. <laughs> the girl with the dragon tattoo, 2012, starring Rooney Mara, Daniel Craig, and Robin Wright. Um, was there any doubt that Dragon Tattoo was our number one? Well, maybe, because Andy participated. Um, but there's also a movie phone post ranking Fincher films, and they have Dragon Tattoo at number eight, which is the biggest bullshit I've ever heard in my Such life. Um, obviously, we feel differently, because it's our overall favorite, except for Andy, but like, just tune him out. And I watched it again. Nobody cares about Andy. <laughs> I watched it again on Friday to like, you know, be like, maybe I missed something. Yeah. But it is, I mean, it is good. I mean, of course it's good. But like... Having seen the Swedish versions, mm-hmm. I really did love those. Yeah, I do too. I re- like. I saw. Good. I saw this one first. Oh, so. and I, you know, and like Rooney Mara is good, I guess, but like, I don't. I don't really think like anything new was brought to the table okay. with this one versus the. It was improved upon vastly, I think. But how? It's the. I think it's one of the most beautifully shot films. It is. Ever. It is really great. It, well, that's what I think. It's easy, and again, like to your point, where you never see mistakes. I think that I think Girls Drank Tattoo is the movie where you can totally lose your self, sense of self. You are now sort of watching this story. It is I there's nothing else like it. It's Finch, uh, it's a it's like the most beautiful film ever made. Visually, he could have gone really dark with it too, but it's not. It's like no. neutrally tones. It's, really it's cold. Snow. Yeah, yeah, it's very cold. cold. Tone, it's like yeah. bluish yeah. neutral, and it's but it's not like too shadowy or anything. Right. Yeah, they're not like oh hacker girls. It's actually it's like right. maybe like the least shadowy. <laughs> yeah, film. it's like look at seven compared to look at dragon tattoo. Right. Yeah, like lighting wise, it's completely. Well, again, like to my point earlier, it's 
one of his least claustrophobic because there's so much yeah. fun outside. Right. I think he was excellent at using claustrophobia for Elizabeth when she was by herself. Like, look at this weird mm-hmm. closed world she is. Yeah. And then when she has to engage with the rest of the world, it's a big, scary, open, uh-huh. cold space. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like that you had Daniel Craig's business happening and you had Rudy's yeah. stuff happening. Like, they don't, they don't get really together get for together like 45 well minutes or something. Yeah. yeah. And I like that that was kept separate. And very, um, well, just very separate. Like compartmentalized. Kind right, of. totally. I like that they didn't over-sentimentalize their relationship, right. too. Right, Yeah. She just, like, hops on him. Yeah. Him. I also love when she's like, put your hand back in my shirt. It, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, I like that scene, too. It, it's so good. It was good, but, I mean, not, yeah, totally not my favorite. So for the rest of us, who did put it as number one? Okay. Um, this is the hottest <laughs> Daniel Craig has ever Oh, looked. my God. Daniel Craig in those glasses is worth my number one spot. Glasses, like shirtless and not like built like Bond. Yeah, he de-bolted his underwear, like at the desk. Yeah, hottest. Hottest. When he has like the glasses hanging down like that, which I would normally think would look goofy and like really like Guy Fieri on anyone else, on him like totally works. Yeah. And this is the first movie in which I ever found him attractive. I was like, right, exactly. He's like a blonde guy. What's with that? Totally. But then in this movie, I was like, call me. Also, <laughs> the best, like, and this is something that I, like, it drives me nuts and I don't know why, like, best using a computer, mm-hmm. like, on screen, like, usually that's done so poorly, um, and it's actually done, like, He got some practice su- with social networks. Super well, right. You know, it's done super well here. Rooney Mara deserved the Oscar that year. I will never not be mad at it. Okay. She, like, fully embodied like, the character. Meryl Streep did Martha not Thatcher. need another no. Oscar. No. Yes, she did. Even Meryl Streep was like, y'all kidding me? Really? Is that true? I gotta stand up? Well, no. But oh, okay. I, she <laughs> knew. She, you could tell she knew that yeah. she was like, what, really, guys? She was so good. Right, but, like, come on. Yeah, but Rooney Mara was Rooney Mara, best like, And she, she, she has recovered from that character. She's still kind of weird. Yeah. That <laughs> character. She's still, like, dressing like Lizbeth yeah. on red carpets everywhere. Like, she said well, she didn't, Because she's like, still waiting yeah. to fucking do the other so three I, movies So I completely now. agree. I think she was amazing in it. There is nobody else that could have done Immersive it. performance. Yeah, 100%. It's, yeah. Like, it's like De Niro and Taxi Driver. She is a she, young female yeah. De Niro and Taxi Driver where... Like, De Niro had to learn to drive a cab to be in the movie, and he lived alone. Isn't that just driving a car? (laughs) Kind of. Like, her accent was questionable, but the whole decision... All of the accents were kind of questionable, I think, in the movie. Yeah. Because it wasn't really, like, um, (laughs) consistent. Even Skarsgård, who is from there. Right. Um, Well, Christopher Plummer... Was it Christopher Plummer? Yeah. 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 He's very British. He's supposed to be Max von Sydow. Yeah, he pulled out to do, like, I don't know... Incredibly close. I just love everything about this movie, though. I, we saw this. I saw this movie with you guys. I think all yeah, we all, all saw it together. It. Yeah. I had not read the book first, which is unusual for me. And I remember at one point I like leaned over to Alex because Alex had already seen it, and I was like, "They solved this, right? Like, <laughs> please tell me they solved this. Like, I need closure." I yeah saw it alone the first time because I knew that I had to. Like as a like a fan of the book, yeah, had already watched the Swedish trilogy. This is way better. Like that has like seven hours if you watch the extended yeah. cuts and this does more for me in two well in i months. remember i wasn't sure how i was going to feel about it and i don't think the previews were that good at indicating what it was no. about because i remember like after like nick and i were just looking at the other like that was so good <laughs> like both of us were surprised and alex was like told you uh, alex <laughs> bought me the box set for christmas and i didn't have a real strong desire to watch it but i was like well i'll watch the first one i'll see how it is and i knew i had to go to bed of the swedish water. version yeah swedish one and it was the extended cut, so it is like seven or eight hours. <laughs> so I'm like, I'll just watch the first one. And if I fall asleep, so be it. 
but like eight hours later, I'm like, oh my god, this is the greatest fucking trilogy I've ever seen. Right, I thought it was wonderful. It is. There's nothing wrong with it. The only thing, like, you know, I think he made that movie. I think he made all three movies for a total of like five million dollars, and that Shit. was the budget for food on Fincher's set. Yeah, right. that was is, the budget for nipple rings on Fincher's set. <laughs> it is also the difference, though, between like listening to a kid in his bedroom who's really good at guitar, and then listening to Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. I mean. It just is, yeah, it's good for you for being excellent at what you just did, but you're not Jimi Hendrix and Fincher's Jimi Hendrix. Fincher is the best that there can be, so I think you couldn't help but improve upon what was already good. I think if Fincher wanted to remake every, any movie, like, you couldn't, you couldn't be mad and say, we don't need a remake. Like, it's not going to be a remake because it's Fincher. Well, yeah. Right. If he made the next... Well, three now, then, like, yeah. I would be happy. The new book so was so good. The new book was great. But I don't really? want them to do, I don't want them to go straight to that one and recast it. Like, no, thank you, please. Like, go back, keep the original cast. And they, <coughs> we're talking about casting, um, was it Alicia Vikander? Yeah. Uh, and Rooney Mara was like, um, hello. No, I want to still do it. She said, like, nobody will, nobody will play that role but me. Mm-hmm. If good they were making another she And David Fincher had originally said he'd, he would film the sequels if they could do it back to back. Like, do it all at yeah. once, yeah. which yeah. makes sense do. financially and time-wise, and just for everyone involved. I, I just, yeah, Rooney Mara is, like, 100% the character. She, the, her performance in that movie is my favorite performance in any film ever in the history of time. It's so wow. good. Um, and the fact that they haven't made And he has seen My Best Friend's Wedding. <laughs> um, she is so good, though. The fact that Robert? we don't have the, yeah. the oh. other... At least two, and I I want the other two before before I would ever tackle that last one. Yeah, well, I want the last one. Great, the last one was excellent, but like I want them, I want all of them. Right, but I I feel like some of the because there are a lot of people like you that say like we didn't need this one. We just had those films like two years. ago. I'm not saying like we only need the Swedish versions. I just really love the Swedish versions. Yeah, this one was so do I. I. I don't see what it added. Um, I feel like if you got to have the full picture, because you're comparing, like, a whole series to a fraction of a series, I feel like you would see what was added. I feel like it's just so much better. Yeah. It is, uh, I would say, like, back to, what did I say, the game, that it was lacking an X factor to sort of draw you in. I think... Dragon Tattoo has that in spades, where you're just like, okay, I'll, I'll watch this eight times, I don't care. It's and it's best. not a movie that should be easy to rewatch. No. Like, the, the scene, like, the rape scenes, and when she gets her revenge, which is awesome, but when you hear that squish in the theater and everyone's like, oh, God! I kick. And normally yeah. that's something that, like, I don't stomach that kind of thing very easily, but I will watch that movie 25 times in a row, I don't care. There was a moment I, I had to be taken, I took myself out of the movie, because I was, it was during the first rape scene. And I was watching with, like, white knuckles, and I was gritting my teeth. So it, in my head, I'm like, I think people might think I'm smiling at this. <laughs> I really hope no one thinks that. So I had to sit there and then go, you like, do a, like, like an autistic kid, so no smile, like, hands in lap. And, like, please don't let anyone think I'm And then everyone's like, why are his hands in his That's lap? That's 100% right. I was so, I was, I was just terrified that people were, were, it was such a brutal scene to watch. I was like, yeah. I don't want anyone to look at me and think I'm smiling. I swear <laughs> to God, I'm not. Yeah. I don't like this. I thought the casting of Newman... Was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is actually really attractive when he's not playing that character. Yeah, really? like it's I saw so pictures weird. of him on IMDb, and I was like, "You are hot." Is that true? Like, he's wearing like nerd glasses, and he has a little beard going, and I was like, "Let's go out." Wow. But apparently, after filming those scenes, he like locked himself in a room and cried for like twelve hours because yeah. he was like, "This is so brutal." And, and I mean, they probably they they actually did not film those scenes a lot. 
Um, I was gonna say like he probably had to do it many times, but teeth. like he actually didn't. Right. I guess he oh, also said he didn't mind going nude, but David Fincher was like, nobody wants to see that guy naked. <laughs> <laughs> like the character, not the yeah, guy. Right, right. Like nobody wants to be like, ooh, rapist wiener. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's filmed in a way that it's not in any way, like, ir- irreversible with uh, Monica Bellucci, where it's nothing It's not, like, lingering. Enjoy. It's not, like, no, it's awful. you are not yeah. meant to be titillated by that. There is no romance. And, like, when no. she's showering and you see the blood, yeah. it's yeah. like, oh, my God. And I guess those bruises were real, because from filming it, she got the bruises. Well, well she, that one yeah, scene she was like really is, like, pure caged animal. Like, yeah. that oh, yeah. one, like, if I could pick any moment and say, like, that is acting. Like, it is right there. Like, that scene where she's, like, uh, like trying to get off, like, the bed. Not off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she would have to try your roll. It's, like, intense. And yeah. So intense. Oh, God. Yeah, it was, uh, everything about it, uh, and the Trent Reznor score again. Yeah. And the opening credits. The opening credits are um, the greatest credit sequence in him. So history. Uh-huh. Speaking oh, like, of music choices, though, the Enya the song, Enya. when Martin is, like, yeah. has Daniel Craig strung up, and he's, like, you know... Um, strung up and slumpy and like, at the yeah, same time. Stellan Skarsgård, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, then it flips on friggin' Enya, and I was just, like, going to church. I was like, this is amazing. Here's when she to... hits him with the... Oh, oh, with the oh, oh and his face is... They do yeah, not hold dislocates. back. Oh. But I, my only complaint about the movie is in, in that... Basement. He has a VHS recorder. Oh, there's set a up? reason for that. Okay, is there? The reason for that was to show how long he had had. He's been doing this. This and had been doing oh, okay. this. Like it, it dated his kind of psychosis right, or whatever. I was wondering why. So did I Enya. read about that. <laughs> Apparently, Enya. They were like, "What song should we play?" And Daniel Craig was like, "Let's find something funny on my iPod." First song that came up, and it was like Enya. And they're like, "Let's do it." Oh, he has that on his iPod. Well, who doesn't? I'd still. I'd still people with ears <laughs> I definitely have it at least since that film yeah but so good best yeah. choice of music in a scene since the ear scene in Reservoir Dogs oh yeah when he's singing into the ear like just like that cheery kind of music uh, with like violent content yeah you know or, that works well every time yeah what was it Apocalypse Now that had Barbara Zadagio for strings yes yeah. no that's uh, that's Platoon Platoon like, yes Platoon. That although Wagner in Apocalypse awesome. Now yeah right right Classical music can be cool. <laughs> Keep trying, Andy. Keep <laughs> trying. But it can be cooler with electronics. Oh. Don't even. Such good times. And again, they like. I kind of like. Again, they didn't sentimentalize their relationship, but you still were kind of rooting for them. But then at the end, when she saw him with Erica Berger, yep. and she was like throwing the so jacket in the trash, and I was like, no, like, you just it, you want more. Heartbreaking. We yes. deserve more. The world deserves more. The four of us specifically deserve yes. this. I thought like, it was, if any of us ever wins the lottery, like, like that is actually on no, my team. I have said, like, I will finance those movies. I don't care. I'll buy them out of any contracts to make these movies for me. Sony can keep the profits. I don't even care. If they fire Dr. Luke. Yes. There that's my caveat. Who's Dr. Luke? Well, that's a topic for another day. Oh, Dr. Yeah. Luke. Yeah, yeah, the rapist producer. Mm-hmm. Alleged. So. Complete rapist. <laughs> There's so much I can't say right now. Fuck yeah. alleged. <laughs> okay, any last thoughts about Dragon Tattoo? Oh, well, Alex and I went to, took the Paramount tour last year, and we got to go into the soundstage where they filmed it. So mm-hmm. that was nice for us. I actually, I had taken the tour a couple years before. I'd taken the tour while they were in, still in production on it, and we drove by David Fincher's trailer, and it said, like, David Fincher Dragon Tattoo. And she was like, oh, it's a director, David Fincher. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was freaking out. And everyone was like, who that? And I was like, why are you guys on a movie tour? I'm going to kill all of you. It was the same situation as when I was at Warner Brothers and Christopher Nolan was eating lunch behind us and I was freaking out and everyone was like, who's the?" 
What is with people? Really? Are they remaking like, Naruto? They're like, I like friends. Yeah. No. Is that true? Yeah. You can't. Where the fuck would they? See? With who? Some they forgot about it. They're going to remake it. Heyo! Dilemma. <laughs> Wordplay. Uh, I do love wordplay. Uh, that's really, really aggravating. Why the fuck are they remaking it? That movie's Because they can't yes. leave well enough alone. Can we do one about Christopher Nolan? Sure. Yeah. For another mm. day. Yeah. We'll be, no, right here. now. Let's write it down. <laughs> See you later. Anyway, so I have a couple follow-up questions. First one, so in a 2008 interview with Empire, Fincher said that some of his favorite films include American Graffiti, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Chinatown, The Exorcist, The Graduate, Jaws, and Taxi Driver. How do our top Fincher films compare to those? Can we see the influence of those films in his? Well, you mentioned already, like, Rooney Taxi is, Driver. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I would say... Yeah, totally. Absolute Taxi Driver, and then... I think out of those, out of that list, maybe only like I don't see the influence of American Graffiti other than maybe the ability to tell multiple stories at once. I can see I Jaws really? just like in the slow build. I, that's what I'm thinking. Right. You know the tension in like the first forty minutes of Jaws before Which you like see the shark, just accidentally right. on Jaws, but, but like, like worked great. Very studied yeah. for adventure. Um, but like he, for me, he maintains kind of that level of tension through a whole movie, and he doesn't need a shark. Yeah. Like he doesn't have. His movies, like, they're mostly thrillers and they're crime procedurals, which you would expect to include more action. Like, he doesn't feel the need to put in, like, a lot of, like, just gratuitous action or fighting or crime sequences. Mm-hmm. I mean... No, there are no gun battles. Right. Like, it's all about the tension. I think that's what mm-hmm. I like, is I don't want to go... I don't get pleasure from seeing violence. I like the tension. Mm-hmm. I like the, like, cerebral I got some pleasure out of her kicking the dildo into that man. Well, of course. <laughs> That violence. I like when Edward Norton beat up uh, Jared Leto. That's one to destroy something Jealous. beautiful. So hot. Oh, Jared Leto's beautiful. Like, Oscar I mean, Fight winner. Club, Fight Jared Club is Leto. like my ideal, like, sexual situation. <laughs> wow. It's like being beaten Dank up. Dank basement. Yeah, right. So the cold off. slap <laughs> on the floor. Stale cigarette stand. But my asthma. Helen Bonham Carter's there. <laughs> yeah, like not brushing her hair. Or teeth, probably. Uh, oh, oh, Marla probably has disgusting Marla, breath. She, she got nasty. like a dead tooth. She nasty. Oh. Uh, you know who doesn't get credit? She's only in it for three seconds or whatever it is. That woman who plays the... In Fight Club? Yeah, she's got she's got cancer and she's dying. She's got. I got oh my god! Yeah, yeah right. Amazing. She looked oh. like like a skeleton. Like yeah, she was Let's skeleton. call her. <laughs> I've got amyl nitrates. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh. I just want to have sex one more time. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's sad. Um, yeah, whatever happened. So my last really thing, done. and this is something that we mentioned before, but I need to like go off on it a little bit. Um, so apparently David Fincher was originally supposed to direct The Black Dahlia, mm-hmm. which is based on James Elroy's novel, which is great, um, which itself is based on the notorious unsolved murder case from the 1940s, although I think it's solved now. Um, is it? According to me and some other people. Um, So he was going to make a three-hour black-and-white version, but according to IMDb, he left the project because he didn't think he'd be able to get away with his vision, because the friggin' studios are holding him down. Um, So can we just take a moment to whine about how amazing that could have been? Have you guys seen the Black Dahlia movie? Yes, I saw it with Hilary Swank. Yep, Hilary Swank and Josh Hartnett. It's not good. Isn't Scarlett Johansson in as well? Yep. The, um... Which, if you read the book... Sorry, I who, just... Who so plays the, the book, I'm so fired up about this. The, her character, Scarlett Johansson, is like the complete wrong choice for that Is character. she the Dahlia? No. No. She's the wife of Jeff Mia Kirshner plays um, Elizabeth Short, who's the Black Dahlia. Yeah. She's actually great. 
And she wasn't supposed to be in the movie that much, but she was so good that they put her in the story more. Yeah. She's the only good part of it. Um, it's it's just like so schmaltzy. It was Brian De Palma. Like yes. It should have been good. Brian De Palma is someone with an enormous amount of talent and who every time was like swings for the fences. Potential. He just misses so many Didn't times. Didn't he do The Untouchables? Yes, which Terrible. I like. I like Scarface. I like Sisters. No. I like Raising Kane. I think he's good. But uh, not this time. No, but the script also is wonky for some strange reason. It wasn't, was, the ending was odd. The choices for everything were odd. It was not a good movie. It was... Did the soundtrack suck? Everything I was just... Remember. It's a bad movie. Like, yeah. look, this is me. I love this stuff. I should have loved this movie. Yeah. It's ho- It's old Hollywood. There's murders. Like, Josh Hartnett. I don't like Josh Hartnett. I never have. Ugh. But I do, and I always have. But like, <laughs> uh, what, if I can't love this movie, you did not make a movie that someone can love. Yeah. It's and then when I'm like, oh, fucking Fincher was supposed to direct this? Are you shitting me? Uh-huh. Like, I could have had that. Granted, I got Zodiac, and Zodiac's great. But I would take both happily, and there's At so once. much that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, there's so much that you, double filming. Uh, there's so much you can, like, mine DFing. in the Black Dahlia story that just, oh, so much lost potential. Uh-huh. Yeah, the yeah. American Horror Story episode about the Black Dahlia was way better than that whole movie, and that's really saying something. Mm-hmm. And his no- James Elroy's novel is great. Like, it's not like they didn't have good source material. Um, I don't know who wrote the screenplay. Do you, is it anybody? I don't know off the top of my head. But the other thing is, like, James Elroy's mother was potentially murdered by the same person as that killed the Black Dahlia. So, goddamn, there should have been more to do with this. And I did hear a rumor that Fincher and James Elroy might be working on, like, a crime-ish mm-hmm. series together. And I'm here for he that. Well, if you had one last wish, wouldn't it be a Fincher adaptation? To work adaptation? with Fincher, I would. But um, my other question, so what? were there any other movies with lost potential that you think David Fincher could have made amazing? Like, that should have been good, but... They didn't work. Every other movie. That's uh, me. You know what? This wouldn't be, to some people, might be an obvious choice because of where it came from, but AI. I yeah. fucking loathe Steven Spielberg. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's a hack. I think Kubrick spent 20 years on a movie and then made the wrong choice of having someone direct it. It should have been Fincher. Like, yeah. there are a handful of moments where Kubrick, Kubrick stuff comes out, but the rest is Steven Spielberg going... Oh, look at the pretty lights for the inner child. Isn't this adorable? Love robots. <laughs> Everything's good. Mommy's good. And you're just like, what the fuck is this? And I think Fincher could have made something where it's just like a robot, like, I need fucking love. <laughs> and it would have been much better. So I would have picked, if one movie Fincher could do, it would be AI. Fuck Steven Spielberg. <laughs> and Tropicus. Huh. Wow. Well, damn you. I don't have a one movie. I, yeah. I think every movie would be infinitely better if they had a director like David Fincher. See, I racked, she wrote that email and I racked my brains about trying to figure out <laughs> And I, I came up with AI. Well, so I have my built-in answer, which is Black Dahlia, because yeah. yeah. right. come on. What about the shipping news? Did you see that? No, it was Kevin Spacey movie. I never yeah, seen Judy Dench, Julianne Moore, Kate Blanchett. Like, oh, well, it's good. Like stacked cast. It's, it's good, but like, I mean, I read the book. It's by Annie Prue. You don't read I do read. Andy read a book. I um, read Bill Berg's Andy. A book. There was a time before Netflix, but um, a dark time. <laughs> but it was—it's uh, a great book. I read it after, of course, like seeing *Brokeback Mountain* and being mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god, I gotta get all the Andy Prue I can get." Right. But um, there was something about it that just didn't—it didn't resonate like the book did. And I think he could have done a great job with that. 
And it, like, it takes place in Newfoundland, and it could have been, like, mm-hmm. you know, it still had that cold air about it. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, if you want to do something similar to Dragon Tattoo, you could have, uh, Spike Lee was asked to do a remake of Old Boy. And it was a payday for him to, like, do a movie that comes in on time on a budget. I would have seen, well, gladly seen that. Not that there ever has to be a remake of Old Boy, because that was yeah. perfect, but a Fincher sort of Old Boy would have been, I think, bizarrely dark. I would have loved to have seen that. What if he did The Crow? <laughs> well, I'd give him something good to work on. I kind of wish he would do all of Gillian Flynn's books. Like, uh, Dark Places Dark was places made flopped. was made into one with Charlize Theron, who apparently he's going to be working oh, with. Oh, yeah, that's right. But it did not do well. I didn't hear great things about it. But I, I liked that book a lot. And then the other one, Sharp Objects, apparently is being made into, like, a TV. I don't know which channel, if it's going to be, like, Netflix, HBO, whatever. Um, but apparently it's going to be starring Amy Adams, my arch nemesis. Ah. And I'm so upset about it. <laughs> And I know that Fincher would not cast her because he would not spite me that way. But she's not terrible. I don't care for her. Mm. Mediocre at best. Enchanted is adorable. Encha- yeah. Right. Like, right. That's well, just because you note. can be good in a half-animated Disney like, movie doesn't mean you're like a great actress. She was not in on the joke of American Hustle, and it bothered me tremendously. Yeah, she was the only one not understanding it. Tremendously. And she then she like won. She won for Big Eyes. Like no, Christoph Waltz was the star of that movie. She won like, like a Golden Globe. Globe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, could you imagine a Fincher? version of Boogie Nights. Oh, that'd be awesome. Could you imagine how fucking That could be that'd his be? fourth ween movie. I want Lord. Fincher to do more television. I think he's great. He could be great like in an episodic format because he could make that long. Mm-hmm. I think he should have been I think Chris Carter should have helmed the last few X-Files episodes and Fincher could have directed them and made good. I would like David Fincher to have done one of the Hannibal movies that were shit after Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean after, I don't know after how- Silence. Yeah, it was going to be impossible to recover without the without Jodie Foster. And Not a new one. I thought no, Red no, Dragon no. was real good. Are you out of your fucking mind? Yeah, you really are. <laughs> oh you really God. are. That's terrible. I thought Manhunter was really good. Manhunter, Manhunter is, is great. William That's Peterson is my crush. Oh, there we go. Michael Mann is amazing. Gil Grissom. No. Yes, I am extremely he's attracted to him. But that's because Michael Mann he is, is amazing. A Brian Cox. Brian Cox. Is um, great. he's gonna be playing Marlon Brando. Have you heard of this? No. What? Okay. So there's a. I don't know if it's a movie or an episode of something where Joseph Fiennes is gonna be playing Michael Jackson. Weird casting. Mm. Oh yeah. Soccer Channing is gonna be playing Elizabeth Taylor, and Brian Cox is gonna be playing Marlon Brando. Wow. Weird. Like, and it's like right after 9/11, all three of them got in a car and went to LA from New York. So it's gonna be like a little bit of a road trip movie. This is going to be so fucking weird. It's going to be real weird. Yeah. That's uh, one of the things, you know what, Fincher's stuff, especially his later stuff, has a lot of underlying political elements. And he did, he did what's uh, House of Cards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he seems like he probably has some interest. I'd like to see him do a, just a full-fledged like a political, political thriller. thriller. I'd be here for that. Actually, I wouldn't mind watching a Fincher remake of Nixon, Oliver Stone's Nixon, which oh. I actually really like. But if there's ever a person that was dark and brooding and could use a Fincher treatment, it's Richard Nixon. I feel like he could do a good job with Dick starring Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> <laughs> or just in general. Right. <laughs> On that note, I think we've wrapped up our Fincher conversation. If you made it this far, we'll send you a gold star. Just like hit up the comments. And or so, a head in the box. Right. Um, we'll make you ask what's in the box. What's in the fucking box? <laughs> <laughs> Dear God. So, my guests today have been Nick Lloyd. Thank you. I appreciate it. Do you want it. anyone to follow you on social media, or are you just still in? No, I don't give a shit about anybody, okay. but I do want to say I'm sincerely grateful for having me. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. We had Andy. That's me. Do and, you want- um, You can follow me 
on LinkedIn. No. <laughs> Get out! <laughs> no, I'm on uh, Twitter. I think it's at Raul Andrew. R-O-W-E-L-L Andrew. And I'm on Instagram, Andy Raul. I make cakes. He does make, he makes delicious cakes and he made me an amazing Mighty Ducks ice cream cake one year for my Mighty Ducks party, but that is a story for another day. <laughs> that has like at least eight episodes That's coming to layers it. on layers. <laughs> and we had Alex. Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, you can follow my blog at glamorouslynormallife.com. That's real cute. Oh, thanks. And I'm thanks Christina. Thanks for having us. And I'm at CL Catastrophe on Twitter, or you can follow at Live the Movies or at Let's Obsess Pod. And thank you for listening, if you're still here. You better be.